Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Oh man, here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Rockfanatic.com brought to you by Dr. Lance Forbes, Diamond Dental in Cedar Rapids, Henry's Painting, Players Sports Bar and Grill, the Oxyoke Inn and the Amanas, also Premier Automotive in North Liberty, Hertine and Stocker, 101 South Dubuque Street, downtown Iowa City, Suples Flowers, home of 1-800-800-ROSE, GT Car and his crew at Suples Siding and Remodeling, Mike's Lock, and E-Keys for Cars. Falbo Brothers Pizza, Steve Anderson, Hawkeye Title and Settlement, and Patrick Eads and the staff on Mormon Trek at Deary Brothers Ford Lincoln. Here's Tom Souter along with Pat Hardy from hawkfanatic.com and Coach Don Patterson. Well, good morning, Coach. Uh, happy August. And the first thing I want to ask you is uh, this is the first week of practice for the Hawkeyes uh, I know you were head coach for so long and assistant coach for so long. How much do you miss the first week of practice? You know, I've always said this, Tom, um, the longest month of the year without question is August. And yeah. I think we know why. You know, you're, you're practicing football, and yet you don't get the reward of playing in a game until September rolls around. And, and um, I don't think it's quite as stressful as it used to be. In the old days, you're familiar with the term two-a-days, of course. Sure. Um, there was a period of time when we would we would practice 20 times in 11 days, if you can imagine. There was thank, thank goodness there was a Sunday thrown in there. But otherwise, double sessions for 10, 10 out of 11 days. And, of course, you had to be really smart about how hard you worked the players because you you could certainly overdo it and, and shoot yourself in the foot. Um, of course, Coach Fry was too smart for that. We never had that problem. And, and uh, nowadays, though, I think they've been smart with their new mm. legislation. To my knowledge, they don't even have a double session anymore. Mm. Nope. Uh, I think they still do have 29 practices before the first game, but they come a day at a time. And um, and don't get me wrong, they're back on the field for a second practice, if you will. I'll put quotation marks around practice. Because oftentimes that second practice is simply a walkthrough of some kind. You know, you can walk through assignments. It's a little easier to understand what's supposed to happen if you can walk through those plays. And that would be the, the so-called second practice of the day, maybe. 
So I think typically we'll practice in the morning and, and have a walkthrough in the afternoon. That's just my guess. I don't know that, but that's the way we did it at UConn, and it worked well for us, and I'm pretty sure Iowa does it much the same way. So, Don, how different is it now? Because I, like I remember when my brother played at Iowa in the late 70s, players all went home for the summer, for the most part. They went home. They had – I remember my brother talking to the trainer. You know, they stuck to a weight pro, but they were home. Now guys are here. They're doing seven-on-seven. Seven. How big of a difference does that help make the team maybe on the first day of practice even more ready now as opposed to your days when guys went home for the summer? It was a lot different. Yeah, I do think that uh, gives us a, a chance to execute better in game one. The fact that we're together – um, for the months, basically, of June, July, and August. Yeah. Um, and um, and here's another way that it does help. You know, obviously, um, the guys end up taking a couple of classes in summer school. Yep. And that, of course, puts them that much closer to graduation. So uh, the effect is that oftentimes when a guy finishes up as a five-year player, that fifth year might be a grad school to some sure. extent. You yes. know, maybe he graduates in four years, graduates on time, and then goes to grad school in that fifth year. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. No, it's a, it's just a different game now. I'm not saying they weren't committed back then. It just wasn't as time-consuming, and they did. So uh, what's the biggest difference now, Don? During the summer, what did you guys do during the summer, like back in the late 70s, early 80s, when kids still, when the kids would go home for the most part? What would, what would coaches do? Well, there were still a lot of guys that were here in town, too. Mm -hmm. um, one of my additional duties was summer jobs, and okay. it was important to be able to find summer jobs. And I'll always be grateful to the to the Iowa City business, uh, business people to uh, help us out with summer jobs. Um, you know, that, that gave the guys a chance to at least earn enough money so that they could pay their bills sure. and not rack up a bunch of debt. Some of them went to summer school, of course. Um, and, um, but so many others did not. Um, and, um, and that worked well, mm -hmm. you know, we were able to, to locate jobs and they were able to work and work out with, uh, with our strength staff. Of course, our strength staff wasn't as big as it, as it is nowadays. It's, it was typically Bill Durvich and, and maybe one other assistant yeah. to help him. It's a lot different now. Uh, but the bottom line, the guys understood the, they understood you can't take time off. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to outwork the opposition. Um, and the, the best way um, to be in great shape is to never never get out of shape. Sure. And that's really what guys do nowadays. It's almost unheard of for them to uh, go more than a couple of three days with, without breaking a sweat. You yeah. know, that's just what you do. You simply never get out of shape. Okay, and you were talking about finding jobs for the players, which helped them get summer spending money, what have you. That's a good way to segue into what we were kind of talking about on the phone yesterday, Don, the the state of the game has changed a lot since you got since you retired from coaching. I mean, the transfer portal's big, NIL's big. You said some interesting things to me yesterday about the NCA. Just share that with our listeners. What you think the NCA should have done maybe five or ten years ago? Sure, I'd be happy to. I would say they could have they could have done it at least ten years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just unfortunate that somebody at, at the NCAA level didn't have the vision to see what was coming. Uh, and by that, I simply mean revenues continued to go up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the athletic departments ended up generating more and more money, which um, enabled the coaches, of course, to make bigger and bigger salaries. Salaries certainly a lot bigger than Coach Fry uh, and I ever enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And um, and and you know, the bottom line is that um, players forever, of course, if you're on full scholarship, you get tuition fees. 
room and board and books. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a wonderful way to earn your way through college, of course, is to earn a scholarship. Sure. But even then, imagine a young man from the East Coast or a young man from Texas in particular, uh, you know, some distance from home. Even though they were on full scholarship, they started to figure out <clears throat> how to be able to finance that plane ticket mm-hmm. to get to and from to and from home. Uh, and then beyond that, truthfully, there were some players, uh, and maybe the scenario that's most obvious would be maybe it was a single mom back home supporting uh, not just her son at Iowa, but also uh, any number of other children. So maybe you've got um, three or four children in one family and uh, with one parent, and uh, the poor mom, and typically it seemed like it was the mother, mm-hmm. and the mom's working two jobs just trying to figure out how to how to stay afloat financially. And there were players, I know for a fact, there were players back in the day that somehow found a way to send a little bit of money home. And to do that, of course, they were they were simply, um, you know, leaving themselves with nothing to, to operate with uh, financially uh, as a college student. So it's un- what's unfortunate is years ago as that revenue went up, it would have been such a simple decision to say, okay, uh, full scholarships are no longer just tuition fees, room and board, and mm-hmm. books. It's all that plus an amount of money, spending money, if you will. It could have been maybe 10 or 20 years ago. It could have been $5,000 a year. It wouldn't have been necessarily a lot of money, but it would have meant the world to the players because they they were having a hard time making ends meet. And um, it's too bad we didn't have that solution back then because I think it might have headed off where we are today. The common complaint, of course, is the coaches are benefiting from all the new revenue, but the players are not. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what got this thing started. Well, you know, Don, so you it's say really fi- unfortunate. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, you say $5,000. Really- un- go ahead. I was just going to say it's unfortunate that someone didn't have the vision to, to get that accomplished 10 or 15 years ago. Yep. And you say $5,000 really isn't it's It's $400 a month. I look at things yeah. from a college student yeah. monthly. That's a even now that four hundred dollars a month will buy you some food. We'll pay for some. Uh, yeah, and and I say five thousand a month. Maybe maybe as the numbers all got crunched out, maybe back then it would have been two thousand a month. Yeah, who knows? I'm sorry, two thousand a year mm-hmm. or three thousand a year, but but just uh, just a, a gesture on the part of the NCAA to recognize the plight of the student athlete. And I, I realize a lot of people, of course, are listening that had to pay for their children's college in its entirety. Uh, but um, there, are, there are certainly others, of course, that would have loved to have gone to college that simply couldn't afford it. Sure. And, um, and, um, and I always like to say, don't let anyone tell you that it's nice that Iowa gave you a scholarship. The reality is you went out and earned a scholarship exactly. because it involves a, a huge investment of your time even as a ninth grader, tenth grader, eleventh and twelfth grader, yep. you know you got to get started early because you're in competition with other student athletes, wherever they may be. Well, coach, the NIL genie is out of the bottle, so to speak. So it has to be policed in some fashion. What? How is? How do you think that's going to look? Because right now it's the wild west, and really anybody can do anything, and it looks different at just about every college, university. Yeah, I had I had the chance just last Monday to visit with Bob Bowlesby. Uh, Bob was actually playing at the Zach Johnson uh, charity golf tournament, and um, it's a mess. And, and and Bob readily acknowledged that it's a mess. Um, you know, we need we need someone 
to be able to to um, to lead this thing and 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 work us out of this jam that we're in. And I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work. But somebody at a leadership level, uh, you know, uh, a name that was brought up yesterday by you, Pat, yep. makes some sense. I don't know that that Barry would be interested in the job at all. Barry it Alvarez. Would be logical that a, that a former college coach who has demonstrated great leadership, not just as a coach, but as an athletic director, uh, might be the right person for that job. And I'm talking about uh, talking about Coach Alvarez, of course, mm-hmm. at, at, from Wisconsin. Uh, somebody needs to, to, to lead us out of this mess. I even made the comment to Bob. I said even the NFL has, is smart enough to know they need a salary cap. There needs to be some indication that it's a, everybody has an equal, equal opportunity. And, of course, it depends on how deep the pockets are of those owners. But in theory, every NFL team has a chance to spend the same amount of money to generate the, the football team. Now, that's one thing I dislike about baseball. I'm a baseball fan, but it is entirely unfair that the Yankees and the Dodgers can spend a lot more money for their team than, than the Kansas City Royals or the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's really not very fair. That's part of the problem with baseball now. you got some teams in the old days that seemed like a bad team won 40% of the time and the best teams won 60% of the time. Well, now it's more like 70-30. Yeah. It's gotten worse. Uh, and so the same baseball teams that have the big uh, the big revenue, uh, you know, they can continue to outpace the other teams. What do you need, the Cubs? It's not a very fair, not a very fair fight. The Cubs have a pretty good payroll. They just have haven't haven't made some great choices, I guess. They traded away some players. It's a nice way to put it down. One of them, one of them's playing for the Yankees, as a matter of fact, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, there's so, Cubs scattered yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Um, so it's a real problem, and um, and if we don't have some some indication that it's a, that it's a fair fight, then we've got an even bigger problem. Well, one Kurt- of the things that's so neat about college football, I like to say on any given Saturday. Uh, all kinds of teams have a chance to to win the game, and and sadly, in the direction we're headed, that's ex- there are going to be more more games that are foregone conclusions. I'm afraid going forward. That's exactly what Kirk said at Big Ten Media Day last Tuesday. He was asked if this new setup was going to cause the haves and the have-nots to come closer together, competitive-wise, and he says no, just the opposite. It's going to make it easier for the the juggernauts to keep winning and you seem to think the same thing i i see that i see that happening too what do you think of the way i was doing their football collective where they're basically trying to make it equal across the board everyone gets a certain amount um kind of an inclusive type thing where they're not really highlighting stars or whatever if you're on the team and you want to be a part of it you're getting that kind of money what are your thoughts on that don I think that's the right right approach, and I think that even includes all the walk-ons, doesn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. Share of the pie too. If you want to be a part uh, of it, I would. I was told like Riley Moss isn't part of it. That's right, because he just he doesn't. That's he, true. You can opt out. You yeah. can opt out. Uh, this all started. The first team I noticed that had the right idea about about NIL was, believe it or not, was Miami of Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a year ago, I think there were some businessmen that came together and said, "We're going to give you this amount of money." And uh, the coaching staff said, we're going to divide it up. They simply divided it up among the scholarship players, mm-hmm. which is a great way to start at least. So that means that that poor old uh, offensive guard is making the same amount of money as the star quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because that offensive guard is the guy that has to protect the quarterback. Good, yeah, good so, for team uh, morale. Yeah, that would be a, that's the best solution. After all, football, I always like to say football is the ultimate team sport. Mm-hmm. 
takes a lot more than 22 starters to win uh, a conference title. It takes uh, more than twice as many players as that. Because let's face it, uh, if you're the backup quarterback, you're one play away from being in the game. And for that matter, if you're the third quarterback, you better have the mentality. And the same would apply to the third running back. You better have the mentality that you're two plays away. Uh, I do recall a year when we went through five quarterbacks because of injuries. 1994. Uh, yeah, it was a long season. What's amazing is we still averaged, I think it was 407 yards a game on offense, playing five different quarterbacks. Think about that for a little bit. That, that was a really Sounds like two uh, games now. Offense, even, <laughs> even though we had a lot of people taking snaps. Can we name all five? Let's uh, let's see. I know Jefferson Bates, that Mike Tom Dupre. Ha- Tom Pohalski, was he one? No, he wasn't one of them. You're no, off by he was long gone. Tom, uh, yeah, that was eight or one. Jefferson, Jefferson Bates, Mike Dupre, Corby Smith. Was Matt Ide one of them? Uh, you know, I, I wish I knew for sure. I, uh, and then Matt Sherman played the last two games. Remember, he had those big games yeah, against Matt- Northwestern and Minnesota. Yeah, Matt was definitely one. Was was Ryan Driscoll one? Maybe Driscoll may have been the other one. And and but I know Jefferson Corby Smith was Larry Smith's son. I know he. We wrote about him that year because he was one of the guys that played. Yeah, that was a crazy year. You guys still went. I'll I'll hand it to you, Don. You guys still managed to avoid having a losing record. You went five five and one that year. That was an interesting year, though, when you you lose that many quarterbacks. Yeah, it really was difficult. And you're right. Of course, those. Those three guys you named, I believe, started the season as number three, four, and five. I think the they did. Chart. Yeah, I thought I, maybe I'm wrong on Mike Dupre, but I thought he was he was the kid from Massachusetts. And but yeah. I I remember Jefferson. I know for sure. Go ahead. Yeah, I know for sure that Mike Dupre played that year against Illinois. I do okay. remember that. Okay. And I think JB probably played in the game too. I think somebody got injured. I believe at Illinois, one of those two got injured. Yep. And then you remember? Do you remember Corby Smith? Tom? Vaguely, yeah, he was Larry Smith's son. He was. I do he, remember that. Yeah, that was that is a crazy year. Don, I wanted to ask you. Okay, transfer portal is the other big thing. From your perspective, what concerns you more now, NIL or the transfer portal, and how it's impacting the game? I would say NIL concerns me the most. Okay, because that just gets into the spirit of fair play. Okay, uh, and I know you could argue that transfer portal can infringe on fair play also. Uh, you know, here's what people fail to understand. It may sound good that that a young man has the right to transfer um, whenever he wants to without without penalty of not playing. In the old days, of course, you had to sit out a year, mm-hmm. and there might even have been conference rules at the time where you couldn't transfer to another team within your same conference. That's actually a good rule. The reason it's a good rule to have to sit out a year, a young man should need to. First off, you made a you made a sound decision to pick a school anyway. Hopefully, you picked it for all the right reasons. And let's face it, in some cases, you might get you might get stuck behind a player that's even better than you are. Uh, but the beauty of, of uh, the old transfer rules is that it forced the student, the typical student athlete, had to fight through some adversity. You know, he he didn't he couldn't run from his problems. He had to confront his problems. I'll give you a specific example. I don't think he would mind. Marv Cook one time was talking to one of my teams at Western Illinois, and he said, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about my experience as a player at Iowa. He said, when I was a young player, I, I got frustrated. I couldn't help but believe that I was better than those other tight ends. And uh, it was just eating me up that I was playing 13 as a young tight end at Iowa. And he said, after a while, I simply realized, uh, he, he said he thought at the time that maybe the old coach wasn't very fair. 
that the old coach was playing favorites and playing someone else. And he said, I, I just realized after a while, this is stupid for me to uh, agonize over this. Every time I get frustrated, I'm going to do something productive. I'm going to go to the weight room. I'm going to look at video. I'm going to uh, in, involve myself in some kind of game that involves change of direction because, let's face it, football is all about change of direction. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, you know, a funny thing happened. Uh, as I worked harder and harder to to, um, to vent my frustration, that old coach seemed to like me more and more as time went on. <laughs> and he said, oh, by the way, that old coach is your head coach. And looking back, he was right. I wasn't better than Mike Flagg or Marv Cook. I'm sorry, Mike Flagg or Craig Clark when, when Marv was a younger player. Um, and so, um, you know, Marv did the right thing. And I've always told players, as a head coach, I'd have players come to me at Western Illinois and say, Coach, I think you have a real appreciation for me and how well I could play. But I don't think my position coach has that same appreciation. And I would always say, you are absolutely wrong. That's not true. Uh, your coach understands that you're a good player, but he's simply having to make that hard decision of who gets to play the most. And he said, um, uh, and I said to him, uh, you know, your coach is correct. And here's your problem right now as a player. You can have the attitude that you're a victim, but that is the wrong attitude to have. You need to have the Marv Cook attitude, which was my coach simply doesn't appreciate me enough yet. I'll show him. I'll show him. I'll, I'll, I'll outwork the other players. I'll demonstrate that I can play better. And it'll be obvious at some point to the coach. Because let's face it, if coaches don't play the best players, they end up losing their jobs. Yeah, they could lose their jobs as a staff, and certainly an individual could lose their jobs. Because I've known some coaches that seem to be unfair with how they how they utilize their players. And a wise old coach like Coach Rowe isn't going to keep them around too long. Um, so that's just the reality of of uh, college football. So the sad thing is that nowadays. If you're if you're playing second or third team, you're actually encouraged. Maybe uh, you're certainly encouraged by the rules because you can transfer somewhere and be immediately eligible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll give you another example that comes to mind. Uh, we had a really good quarterback in '85. He was runner-up for the Heisman. I think you know who he was. And after that season, the Big Ten coach told me, "You know, we're going to beat you next year because you don't have Ronnie Harmon and you don't have Chuck Long." And I said, no, we lose both of them. You're right. But we do have a quarterback that can throw the football better than Chuck Long. His name is Mark Vlasic. And Mark proved it, of course. Mark was only a one-year starter at Iowa. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if Mark Vlasic threw for more yardage in the NFL than Chuck did. Oh, he did. Mm -hmm. They he both did. had good NFL careers. And I'm pretty sure Mark's was even more productive than Chuck's. And Chuck could argue that he was victimized by having to play to begin with with the Detroit Lions. And there's some truth to that because i don't think i'd want to take snaps for the lines either <laughs> okay well that's a good way to segue um ucla usc don how surprised i mean i know fran said he what's been amazing is nobody from iowa seems to have known anything that was happening they were out of the loop obviously the people that needed to be in the loop were in the loop but coaches and what have you we've had three different coaches tell us that they were completely caught off by this just how surprised were you and do you think it ultimately is good for the conference well, I was surprised. It all started, though, with, with um, OU and Texas. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, to go to the SEC. Question. I think that's what got it started. So there's going to be a, uh, a money grab here. You know, we're going we're gonna to form power conferences, if you will. Not that the SEC wasn't already a power conference, but now it's on paper. Of course, it's even stronger. And the same could be said. The Big Ten recognized uh, to try to 
compete with the SEC. We'd be wise if we could if we could pull in SC and UCLA and capture that that uh, Los Angeles, that Southern California market. That'd be a good thing. Of course, we've got the Midwest. We've got teams back east. We literally stretch from coast to coast now in the Big Ten. The only problem, as I see it, I do understand we're going to eliminate East and West. And I thought East and West still made, made, frankly, maybe made more sense because I could see the West, including Southern Cal and UCLA. And the logical thing to do then would be to move Purdue over to the East. <clears throat> and uh, at least then, if you're a West Coast team, you don't have to fly all the way across the country to play a football game or a basketball game. Maybe more often than not, you only have to fly halfway. But uh, I understand they're not going to have East and West, and and um, I think I think travel is something that has not been thoroughly sought out or thoroughly investigated, thoroughly researched, because uh, you're talking about student athletes being uh, in the air more than they've ever been. You're talking about the expenses that go with all those all those plane flights. Uh, you know what's going to happen? I'm sure price of tickets are going to go up, which has got nothing to do with our current infl inflation situation, uh, athletic departments are simply going to argue that they got to pay their bills, and their bills include much more travel expense than ever before. And one thing I keep hearing about is how it's going to put such a burden on the Big Ten athletes for the extra travel. Think about the USC and UCLA athletes, how much traveling they're going to have to do. I mean, every time yeah, they compete. They're going, be, they're going to be lengthy plane rides. Every uh, Everyone except for their one against... USC, I mean, the one where they get to play each other. Well, they do year. have their home games, too. Well, yeah, but they do. But I'm saying every time they go on the road, I mean, Iowa yeah. can go on the road and they can go to Champaign. They can go, mm -hmm. it, it, other than UCLA or USC, where is there a close road trip for those schools? Nebraska? That's halfway across the country. No, but if you add uh, some more West Coast teams. Well, but I mix, understand, but they haven't done that right no, now. We're haven't. just talking about the current model. I'm with Don. I think travel has been kind of underrated as far as the things to talk about, but mostly from the USC, USC. Don't you think it changes things dramatically for those athletes that are thinking about going to that school, Don? Or am I making too much of the travel and how the landscape's changing for the USC and UCLA athletes? Yeah, I can see it as being a little bit of a negative. I, I'm just curious how the baseball coach would feel at SC or UCLA because, let's face it, <clears throat> your early baseball games when you go on the road in the Midwest – you're going to be seeing a lot different weather than you left behind in, in L.A. Yes, you are. And uh, that can't be very attractive to a, a prime baseball recruit, I wouldn't think. No, I would they agree. You have to fly halfway or more across the country and play in cold weather, which is one reason, of course, they're, they chose SC or UCLA to begin with, is to enjoy the warm weather. And we had uh, talked to Coach Heller last, I think it was last week. Two weeks ago. And he said, you know, hey, our lives are spent traveling now anyway. He says, for us, it's, it's really not going to change that much. He said, but it will change things for uh, USC and UCLA. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious. You know, maybe maybe baseball didn't get a vote in this decision. Of course, the, the, the prime revenue sports are, are football and basketball. And, um, and maybe... Uh, you know, maybe maybe they both think it's a good idea. I'm sure they do. So, Don, I asked you on the phone yesterday, how would Hayden be handling today's landscape? I think I think uh, Coach Fry was always he always uh, just uh, cherished the idea of fair competition, and uh, and I think the fact that 
um, the fact that we have such a mess with NIL, such a mess with the transfer portal, uh, and now you've got these super conferences that are being created. Um, you know, part of the enjoyment of, of, uh, of football, honestly, you know, we always enjoyed getting on a bus and busing to, to, um, to Madison, busing to Ames, busing to, in, in many cases, busing to Northwestern. Those were bus rides for us, and it was, it was uh, enjoyable. We'd stop at uh, at Platteville. They had a really good the Timbers. You probably you know, oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh sure, oh yeah. Probably yep. not even there now, but it was a good place to eat back in those days. How how um, how about the Wisconsin fans? There's a really little... good there's a really good restaurant too, but it doesn't it doesn't really apply to Iowa. There's a good restaurant over near over toward Purdue, um, right there on the on the interstate. Beef and it's house. Where you turn south to go to Terre Haute, Indiana. So when we played Indiana State. On the road, the post game would be at the um, the beef house. The beef house. Called. If you've never eaten at the beef house, been there many times. You should. It may not be as good as it once was. I do recall one time we were behind at halftime at Indiana State, and I mentioned to the team, you know, we don't have to go to the beef house uh, after the game um, to enjoy a, a nice meal. Uh, I'm okay with stopping at McDonald's and. <laughs> <laughs> Amazingly enough, we seem to play a lot better that second half. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Don, the restaurant is still intact, just like it always has been. I haven't been there. I didn't go there this time going to the Big Ten, but it's Exit 4 in Covington, Indiana. And have you ever been to the Beef House? I have not. You have not. That's but I've right. heard about it. Yeah, it's kind of a favorite place for like a lot of the media. I mean, it's almost like a religious shrine. for. What, some, what do they serve there? Um, beef. <laughs> Lots of beef. <laughs> so, Don, you, what you'd like – because I remember one time we were there and the Purdue basketball team was there. I remember one time we were there, the Illinois football team was there. So, what, you guys just reserve like a uh, – there's so much – that restaurant is huge. You just reserve a section of it, I assume, right? Yeah, and, of course, it depended on what time our kickoff was. Maybe we showed up at something, something uh, 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 not in conflict with their usual dining times, okay. maybe. Sometimes it might have been a late dinner. Sometimes maybe an early dinner. Of course, if we kicked off early, maybe we would beat the evening rush. Uh, regardless of that, though, they were happy to accommodate athletic teams, and, and uh, they did a great job of, um, of putting the food in front of the players as quickly as possible. And, of course, we didn't. Uh, we gave them some restrictions as to how they could order, of course. Otherwise, we would have had a hard time paying the bill probably. But, <laughs> But uh, none of them ever complained about a trip to the beef house. I do remember that. No, I can I can understand why. So, I right, before I mean we appreciate you coming on, and just so our listeners know, we're going to continue our Monday tradition with Don during the season. We were thinking we would the next time would be the Monday uh, the season leading into the season opener, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. and then we'll start having you on the Monday from nine to ten after each game. And before we go, Don, when you look at this um, upcoming season, just how I mean, how optimistic are you about? I mean, they got a great front seven. It could be one of the best front sevens under Kirk on defense. Just how optimistic are you about this team, and how tougher do you think the schedule is going to be with Ohio State and Michigan coming back on? Yeah, I do think the schedule. You'd have to quantify it as best you can. You'd have to quantify it as tougher than last last year. I think that's safe to say. Yes, you could say that simply because we've got both Michigan and Ohio State uh, on the on the schedule. Um, you know, we have our hands full. There's no doubt about it. You know, you you have to be focused on getting better with each and every day, and I know our guys are focused on that. There'll be difficult games to win. You know, looking back at last season, I'm involved with analytics right now, and one of the things you'll find interesting, I'm not going to give away too many secrets, of course, but 
One thing that did change quite a bit from a year, from the previous year, uh, the number one parameter in terms of producing a win is actually the first touchdown of the game. That's 81% win. And for that matter, tied with it is also first points of the game. And the reason I mentioned both of them, uh, obviously you'd like to have a touchdown to start the game. You'd like to be up 7 nothing after the PAT. But even being up 3 to nothing obviously has good results too. You don't get on the scoreboard first. You might recall before we played Michigan, <clears throat> Michigan had a lot to do with that percentage being where it is because you might recall Michigan scored the first touchdown in all 12 games last year <laughs> before the Big Ten Championship game. And, mm -hmm. and sure as hell, they scored the first touchdown in our game too. So uh, Michigan understands, and, and other teams obviously have tried to have the mindset, let's try to jump out and, and, and win that first quarter. First quarter scoring, incidentally, is also really, really high. Here's what will surprise you a little bit, because this one made a significant jump from the previous year, and that would be fourth quarter scoring. Uh, fourth quarter scoring was big, too. That was <clears throat> that was 80% win. Uh, so what's changed, and one of the things that I'm happy to say is that we were a, a decent fourth quarter team. Uh, you know, we actually, we actually um, uh, came from behind a couple of times to win in the fourth quarter. Uh, the most obvious was Nebraska. We were down by 12 to start the fourth quarter. And, of course, it wouldn't have been possible without the kicking game. A blocked punt produced a touchdown in a span of about 10 seconds, and that made all the difference because then it became a one-score game. And we're able to beat them uh, at the end. But we are a good team in the fourth quarter. We have um, uh, established ourselves as a, a team that can play four quarters. I think that's that's proven to be very important uh, going forward. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things I'll comment on just in general, one of the things I look at, as you know, is explosive and super explosive plays. Mm -hmm. And this is something that will surprise you a little bit. It won't surprise you that we were down toward the bottom and, and making big plays <laughs> no, on no, offense. We're not very good at that. And I'll leave it at that. I don't, I don't want to be specific about about us needing to improve. I will say this. Ohio State had almost twice as many explosive plays per game as Iowa. Uh, it gives you an idea of, of and Ohio State is number one in the conference. Uh, incidentally, Nebraska is number two. Uh, and uh, the only thing that hurts Nebraska, of course, is they have a really annoying habit of shooting themselves in the foot either yep. with – penalties or turnovers it seems uh, so they haven't been able to overcome but here's what surprised me the most uh, honestly you know we've always been good on defense and I made the comment before I looked into it we were good this year on defense but not as dominant as the year before that was all proven out uh, just to give you specific numbers uh, we gave up four plays a game uh, that were explosive plays and that means 20 yards or more four per game, and that's in the middle of the pack. Just to give an example, Wisconsin gave up three per game. They gave up 27 explosive plays in nine games. We gave up 40 explosive plays in 10 games. I did I did count the championship game, of course. Uh, but here's the thing that surprised me the most. There are actually four teams in the West that gave up fewer explosive plays than we did. Uh, and, and Wisconsin, that does not surprise you because Wisconsin's always good on defense. Mm -hmm. But I was surprised Minnesota was second in the league, and Illinois and Nebraska were tied for fifth. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, the point is uh, there are other good defenses in the West also, and we have to play every last one of them. So, And that's, of course, part of our problem with 
with not making more big plays as the other teams are pretty good at defending big plays. And then <clears throat> to put it all in perspective, I, t I looked at the margin on explosive plays. In other words, how did the offense do and how did the defense do and who had the greatest margin? No surprise to you guys, I'm sure. Uh, number one was Ohio State. Uh, they had 58 plays on offense. They only gave up 34. They were plus 24 on explosive plays. Uh, Nebraska was actually number two. They were plus 19. And number three was Michigan. Those are the top three. Wow. Uh, and, of course, Nebraska. Michigan and Ohio State uh, played to represent the East. Uh, and here's Wisconsin that's still plus on explosive plays. They don't make that many explosive plays. Uh, but they don't give up that many either. They no. give up only three per game. Uh, and, and to put us in perspective, when you look at our blend of offense and defense, we were actually ranked 11th in explosive plays. So that's an area where we need to improve, and it, it can it can occur on both sides of the ball. We can work hard to, to generate more explosive plays on offense, obviously, and, and we can find a way to return to uh, some incredible numbers that we had just two years ago. I think two years ago, as I recall, we gave up 2.7 plays per game on defense that were 20 yards or more. That was far and away the best in the league. Yeah. Uh, and this year we gave up four. So uh, four's not bad, but four's barely above average. The average was 4.2, incidentally. Hmm. The average team gave up 4.2 plays that were 20 yards or more. We gave up four. And what hurt that number, of course, was the, the Michigan game. Michigan had more than four. But there were other games that that had more than 4-2, of course. Uh, Purdue comes to mind. Purdue's always done a good job of game planning. And so, uh, you know, that'll be the challenge for the defense is to, is to restrict those explosive plays more like we had two years ago than last year. I mean, and that's doable. That's doable because we've got all kinds of super players at, at, uh, on our defense. And, um, and I think it's, it's important that we do that because it may sound silly to have a margin of plus one, uh, but what about plus 2.7? That's one reason Ohio State wins, is they hit you over the head with big plays. I and mean, they've actually done a pretty good job of defending big plays. They only gave up 34 in nine games on defense. We gave up 40 in 10 games. So they're right there with us. They're actually a little bit ahead of us, of course. We know that. As far as how to we know that Purdue yeah. is dangerous. Obviously, I worry about Minnesota. Minnesota's real dangerous. And I also, I know the some Nebraska Iowa fans too. will left. I worry about Nebraska this year, too. From Iowa's point of view. Yeah. Minnesota yeah, really worries me. You know, Minnesota, I think Minnesota lost most of their offensive line. That's always got to be a concern, of course, when you lose that many starters in your old line. But they also have a back that's coming back, and he's one of the best. One you of the best. A reliable quarterback, good receivers. And they've done a pretty good job of reloading their offensive line. He's recruited well up there. And didn't they outrush Iowa by like 100 yards in the game last year, if I'm not mistaken? I'm glad you said that. Another thing I did, I just looked at the the 10 games Iowa played in the Big Ten. And the 10th game, of course, is the Michigan game. And I simply asked the question, just looking at individual parameters, uh, which parameters were most reliable in predicting a win? And there were two of them that were 90%. In other words, the team that won the parameter won the game 9 out of 10 games. One of those parameters was outrushing the opponent. Yep. Uh, the only exception to the rule was the Minnesota game. You're right. Uh, Minnesota outrushed us by more than 100 yards, and yet we beat them. Mm -hmm. And I can't recall exactly how we did it. I think the kicking game certainly had something to do it with did. it. I think turnovers had something to do with it. I think uh, better red zone defense on our yep. part had something to do with it. Uh, but obviously, if you outrush an opponent by 100 yards in this league, 
the odds of winning are probably 90% plus. Uh, so uh, that was the exception game on Iowa. Iowa's part last year was the Minnesota game. We got outrushed significantly, and we still won. But here's the bad news. Those three losses in the Big Ten, we got outrushed in all three of those games. Brutal. And it wasn't like we gave up a lot of yards against Purdue. We simply didn't gain a lot of yards on the ground against Purdue either. And then Wisconsin was just a complete debacle. Wisconsin was a problem, of course. And the the other stat, incidentally, was fourth quarter scoring. Mm -hmm. The team that won the fourth quarter won nine of those ten games. And here's the bad news again. Those three teams that beat us, they also beat us in the fourth quarter. You could argue that it didn't matter because the game was already one-sided. But but, uh, the truth of it is, one reason we won some games uh, that were hard fought. Here's a good stat for us. You've always heard me say good teams uh, know how to win close games. Good teams find a way to win. Mm-hmm. Last year, uh, we had four games that were one-score games, and we won all four of them. Uh, just think about where we've been if we hadn't been able That's to get point. that yeah. done. Well, Minnesota was one of those, 27-22. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So. So the good news is our guys have confidence, I'm sure, that we can win close games because we've done that consistently. Um, the negative, of course, is that uh, and looking at all those different parameters for those three losses, those were not fluke games. No. You know, we got outplayed in those three games. Yep. And I won't, I won't comment specifically about how many parameters those other three teams won, but they won significantly more than we did. And that's one reason we lost the game by more than more than just a few points. Don, I got one last question. I wrote something yesterday. I get this feeling that Kirk thinks he might have something going with this team. He's made Kirk's not big on self promotion and hype and what have you, but he's made some comments that make me feel make me believe that he really thinks he's and a part of it, most of his comments center around veteran leadership, having the right senior leaders and what have you. How important is that? to have the right senior leadership for a team. It absolutely does matter. I, I like to say it this way. Sometimes in a season, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. Other times, the sum of the parts is less than the whole. Hmm. And when I say whole, of course, I mean W-H-O-L-E. The sum of the parts is greater than the whole. That's on the good teams. Um, and sometimes teams underachieve. And not to pick on Nebraska, but Nebraska is a prime example. A lot of people would argue they've underachieved now for several years. Their talent level is better than what their record is. Oh, without question. Um, so the good thing about Iowa, we've had a tradition, not just in Kirk's years, but a tradition for more than 40 years of, uh, compared to the other team, often overachieving. You know, actually finding ways to win games that, that uh, at least in terms of athleticism, maybe we shouldn't win. Uh, that's what good teams do, and it's all about character, and it's all about leadership. And uh, and I think Kirk is uh, is uh, justified to feel good about about the makeup of this team. I think we've recruited a lot of young men that have very very high character. And you've always heard me say character does win. I'll give you a really simple example, uh, two word example. Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell's a great example of that. That young man plays football at a really high level. He's clearly uh, a very uh, unselfish player. Mm-hmm. He wants to give credit to his teammates. Uh, he's quiet in some ways, but he, his actions aren't quiet, that's for sure. Anybody that plays Iowa is not looking forward to running into number 31. And um, so that's just one example. There are any number of others, of course, a lot of examples. And, uh, and that's what excites me. I think of guys that are unsung heroes, too, 
a guy who's, um, whose dad played for me. I'm thinking of Joe Evans, who started mm. without a scholarship, but I'm pretty sure he's got one now. He does. He does. And, and yeah, he's an undersized defensive end. Well, so was Leroy Smith, and he was an All-American. I think he still has a sack record uh, at Iowa because he was a terror. If it was an obvious passing situation, you had to pass protect against Leroy Smith. That's a little bit like having to do it against Andre Tippett. Mm -hmm. uh, Leroy didn't have Andre's size, but he certainly had Andre's quickness. And uh, and Joe Evans is the same uh, matchup difficulty for an offensive tackle in the Big Ten yeah. right now. Uh, Joe comes in on third and long. He's fresh. He hadn't played every snap all day long. And that tackle, meanwhile, maybe has. And if Joe's whistling off the edge, he's a problem for any offensive tackle to be able to, to pass protect. And uh, and I give Joe credit for that. But it all starts with him just having high character mm -hmm. and just understanding I've got a role to play on this on this team. I might only play 12 snaps a game. I'm going to make all 12 of them count. And that's the mentality I'm sure that Joe Evans has. And yep. I don't want to embarrass Joe by talking about him. He's just a guy that comes to mind. Oh, without uh, – and it makes sense. Me. No, he does kind of fit into that strong senior class. I know Torrey Hunter's – Torrey, Torrey Taylor isn't the senior. He's 25 years old. That, yeah. And he's really good at what he does. He's a good leader. So that's one of the things I give this team – some hope for because I still think the offense has obviously got a lot to prove. But well, listen, Don, this got me fired up for football. I'm ready to go. This was fun. And Tom, do you have anything? Oh, oh we could talk for hours, Donnie. But we appreciate your time. We appreciate your insight, and I eagerly look forward to the next time we get to talk to you. Yep, and the last Monday in August, leading into that season opener on the third, that's when we'll do our first show to start going through the season. Look forward to it, Don. Enjoy the rest of your summer. I look forward to it as well. And just a, just a quick comment about our first opponent. South Dakota State's one of the best teams in all of FCS football. Uh, they have one of the finest coaches that I know. Uh, so don't don't we're not going to sleep on South Dakota State. I'm sure the coaches are not going to let that happen. But just so the fans understand, uh, South Dakota State will be a be a challenge. It won't it won't come easy. Okay. Uh, they're that good. You might recall North Dakota State came in here and beat us a few years ago too. I'll and, never uh, forget South it. Dakota State has the potential uh, to upset us, and and we're going to be ready to play them, I'm sure, and that's why it's not going to happen. Okay. Well, thanks, Don. Again, enjoy the rest of your summer, and we'll look forward to talking to you here later on this month. That sounds good. You guys take care. All right. Thanks, Coach. Are you worried about the South Dakota State game? You know, honestly, a little bit. Uh, yeah, I am too. I mean, they are good. and only Well, we have two things that should make us real scared about it. North Dakota State is one, and the second one is having to block the two field goals against UNI well, then what to about win. The two losses to Western Michigan and the one. Well, loss, that too. The two but, losses to Western Michigan and the loss to Northern Illinois. But these are FCS teams. I'm I'm referring to more than anything else. Okay, okay, I see what you. Yeah. Okay, I guess yeah, I keep forgot those. But yeah, I mean, if you count those, sure. But to me, I think North Dakota State was better than at least one of those Western. Michigan teams. Oh, I think Iowa. you're absolutely right. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if the South Dakota State team is at that level, but that also proved to be not a real good Iowa team either. I think it lost five games, didn't it? Didn't they go eight yeah. and five? And well, and the, so that tells us something. The only it? outlier is the Northern Iowa debacle where they had to block those two field goals because I remember people leaving there thinking, God, we're going to be lucky to finish 500. That team won 11 games. Well, so, and I, I was one of those people. So, yeah, you can't read too much of it into it, win or lose. But my my one argument will always be, and I know I was. Do you think Ohio State would have any trouble at home with South Dakota State? No, I don't either. And I say that because 
eventually for Iowa to get where they need to get to get to win a Big Ten title, they got to beat Ohio State. They're going to that basically you can say Michigan too, but no, it comes down to you have to beat Ohio State. And yeah, how do. far do you think Iowa is from that? Uh, right now a couple touchdowns, maybe a little more. I mean, the woodshed thing was a fluke. Can we agree on that? Uh, yes. I mean, it was a thorough beatdown. I get it. They and and the it better, was here. And it was here, but it was a fluke. I mean, yes. it's just one of those things that happened. Now we got Cubs. <laughs> yeah. How would the Cubs do against Ohio State is the question. Well, it depends on whether they're playing baseball, football, or whatever. <laughs> anyway, I enjoy listening to Don. I took a class under him once, and I thought that was very so enjoyable. Yeah, I did last year. I thought, yeah, I thought it was great. But uh, well, the Cubs lost four to zero. They had uh, San Francisco had Rodon pitching, and oh, he's a uh, he's a big guy, and he's real good. And the Cubs, they tried hard, though, right? They played hard. They played hard. Okay, okay. Now wasn't they tried? They didn't wasn't Rodon? Wasn't that a big lizard in the yeah. Japanese it went against films? Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. Where the mouth, where the words would come out like. Two seconds after the yeah, lips yeah. would move. Uh-huh. I love that. Yeah, Rodan played the then, uh, Cubs. And then I see what Russell, uh, Russell died. Bill Russell? Yes, yes he did. And wasn't saying. he the guy that kept Iowa from getting two, two, title, two NCAA yes. titles? 26 points. In 55 and 56. I don't know if yeah. he faced him twice, did he? Did he? I thought just, just once. I just think once. it was twice. I think it was two years in I a row. I thought it was just once, but he I had 26 points and 27 rebounds in the one game. And it changed the uh, goaltending rules, I believe. Was yeah, because he just stood there I thought right that was more Jabbar, wasn't it? He couldn't do anything. Like no, Jabbar tree. changed the dunk rule. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Great player, great greatest winner ever in team sports, and a great man. A yeah, great, great humanitarian. Man, great humanitarian. Great part of the civil rights movement. Very courageous yeah. man. I mean to. He took a lot of brutality in Boston. Walked, walked alongside uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and, and played in Boston. Yeah, and let's you know what we know what, what a lot Boston's of Boston's pretty racist. Yeah, there's a history of being. I mean, the busing and stuff. Yeah, that stuff. It now, still is. <clears throat> way back so long ago, didn't some of the football players get checks for working at a place and they really didn't work there? I have no idea. Um. Not not sure about that. I mean, that would have been an NCAA violation. Yes, because I remember my brother said he worked at Hands Jewelry, and he said one of the football players came walking in and got a check every month. He said I never saw him there working. Yeah, I have no idea. So well, anyway, that well. Maybe you're onto something, Karn. Maybe you're onto something. I well, I can I can tell you for sure that uh, we, my father paid some players to do yard work for us. I mean, they actually had to earn it, but... Um, I don't think that would, I don't think your father would have committed a violation. Pr- probably not. But, I mean, I re- remember Levi Mitchell... Why wasn't your lazy ass out there doing yard work? So I was too young. <laughs> what, were you like 14, 15? <laughs> oh, I'm much younger. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Braverman, didn't he have a lot of guys working for him? I, Who? I don't Braverman. know. Braverman. Karen, yeah, I, I mean, you're good. I would. I moved up here in 1991. Well, way I, back before you guys were even. Yeah, so you're asking they, the wrong before people. Some of you were even worried. Looks on your father's face. Well, <laughs> was it was it Kent or Mace or? Yes. Well, 
When I came ago, he's I, gone now. Let's but. just all talk. We at the don't same know. Time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Free bird. Just <laughs> all talk at the same time. I don't have so any anyway, answers for I'll you, Carl. You guys go. Happy August and have a have a good day. It's all right. Get warm. Yeah. All right. It's gonna get warm. You're right. He didn't pay uh, people much. Karn trying to tear down the football program with NCAA violations yes. from 60, <laughs> year, 60 years ago. It sounds like. Did he? Ken didn't pay much here. No, that would have been surprised me. I don't even yeah. know who's Ken Braverman. Ken he used to own this. Own what? He started the, KCJJ in oh, 1977. Okay. I, I yeah. was. Should I have been aware of that? Oh yes. Okay, yes, I'm it's, sorry. It's uh, folklore. Okay, I was not aware of. <laughs> Wasn't there a Braverman, some type of business here in town called Braverman's? Well, Brenneman's for years and years and years and years. I'm thinking of Brenneman. All right, all right. Can we take a break? I would like to go on and on. (laughs) We'll take on and on. Who sings that? Stephen Bishop. Oh, that's the one who Belushi smashed his guitar in Animal House, right? Sorry. Yes. I love that scene. (laughs) We'll We'll be be right back. One eight hundred eight hundred rose. Your FTD florist is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. One eight hundred eight hundred rose. It's so easy. Just remember one number. One eight hundred eight hundred rose. Your FTD florist. One eight hundred eight hundred rose. Remember. For a gift that your loved one will treasure for a lifetime, find it at our family-owned jewelry store in Iowa City, Pertine and Stocker Jewelers. We can show you diamond engagement rings, colored stones, fashion jewelry, and watches. Our jewelers are on site, so we can design jewelry for that special person in your life. We are Hertine and Stocker, serving Iowa City and the surrounding area for three generations. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, downtown Iowa City, and HertineandStockerJewelers.com. Ask for Willa, Terry, Tim, or Kate. One of us is always there. Over the years, car keys have gotten extremely complex. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can generate the most technically advanced automotive keys on the market today. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can produce most conventional transponder, sidewinder, and remote-headed keys. If you've lost the keys to your car or simply need a duplicate, call 330-9185. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars has the technology to keep you on the road. Call 330-9185 and schedule an appointment today. Henry's Painting in Coralville is your premier painting source that offers free estimates, fair pricing, and quality work. Owner Henry Herrera is an Iowa City West alum who uses only Sherwin-Williams products for his projects. With warmer weather upon us, it's time to consider exterior repaint jobs for your home or business. Henry's Painting can help you find and change your tones and colors for a fresh look. For more information, go to the Henry's Painting and Contracting website, henryspaintingcontract.com. You can also go to their Facebook page or give Henry's Painting a call at 319-333-9796. That's 319-333-9796. Henry's Painting. They don't cut corners, they paint them. Downtown Iowa City's best new restaurant and bar is Players Sports Bar and Grill. From Big Burger Mondays, Tex-Mex Tacos, and a variety of soups, salads, and vegetarian options as well. Players Sports Bar and Grill also features their famous Chicago Dog and the Iowa Dog. 
an all-beef bacon-wrapped hot dog smothered in corn relish, bacon, and ranch. Located at 219 Iowa Avenue, Players Sports Bar and Grill has both socially distanced dine-in and carry-out through Chomp Delivery. Daily deals and full menu options are on the website, playersic.com, or place an order at 319-800-2199. That's 319-800-2199. Players Sports Bar and Grill, great food, craft cocktails, and the ultimate place to watch your favorite sporting events. There's a problem here in eastern Iowa. There's not enough Hawkeye fans. I mean, really, shouldn't everybody be a Hawkeye fan? Well, maybe not, but you should be a fan of my team at Hawkeye Title and Settlement. Hi, I'm Steve Anderson, and my team of experts at Hawkeye Title and Settlement know what they're doing. Call us at 351-8600. Hawkeye Title and Settlement, the team you love, the people you trust. Don't let just anyone take care of your smile. At Diamond Dental, you can expect compassion, expertise, and a personalized care plan to protect your teeth for life. With more than 30 years of combined experience, Dr. Forbes and his staff are prepared to tackle even your toughest dental problems, leaving your smile healthy and sparkling. Diamond Dental offers a full range of general and cosmetic dentistry, as well as dental treatment options for snoring and sleep apnea. It's never too early to start thinking about what's best for your smile. Schedule an appointment today by calling 319-390-3703 or visiting the office at 5815 Consul Street Northeast, Suite D1 in Cedar Rapids. You can also visit DiamondDentalPC.com for more information. Dr. Forbes is a proud sponsor of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and the Inner Circle. Let the Diamond Dental team provide superior care for your entire family. Car won't go into gear? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair, in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs, brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventative maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't go into gear, see Premier Automotive in North Liberty. GT Car, owner of Supel Siding and Remodeling, offers service and quality that is unmatched in the area. At Supel Siding and Remodeling, their trained professionals will install and guarantee the products used in any size job done. Regardless of the project, Supel Siding and Remodeling will stand behind their quality products and installation with exceptional customer service. Whether it's a window replacement, a kitchen remodel, or a house addition, our employees are committed to quality. Visit sales at suples.net or call 337-2246. Get ready for a pizza experience like no other. Falbo Brothers Pizzeria features high-quality ingredients combined with traditional pizza technique. From their New York-style thin crust, Chicago-style deep dish, to stuffed pizza when you want it. Falbo's pizzas are handmade and cooked in stone deck ovens. Check out the carryout special. Either a two-topping extra-large thin crust or single-topping large deep dish pizza pie for only $11.99. Talbot, South Gilbert and Iowa City, Crosspark Road in Coralville. Check Facebook for specials and get 15% off your first delivery or carryout order by signing up online at FalboBrothersPizza.com. Falbo Brothers Pizza, buy the pie or buy the slice. Hi, this is Patrick Eads, owner of Deary Brothers Ford Lincoln of Iowa City. At some point, your vehicle is going to need maintenance or service work done. And Deary Brothers Ford Lincoln, Iowa City is the place to go. Here's why. Here the people make the difference. Fixing cars is what we do, but it's the people here that make the difference. Great people who live right here in the community who are really good at fixing vehicles. 
the longevity of our staff cannot be compared. More than half of the employees at Deary Brothers Ford Lincoln have been here for over a decade. Our mechanics have more than 150 years of combined experience. Service advisors having over 90 years of combined experience. We not only service Fords and Lincolns, but all brands. Deary Brothers Ford Lincoln is proud to offer the most competitive pricing in the area. We work hard to keep the labor costs down at a time when everything else is going up. If you haven't had a chance to see why our people make a difference, give us a try the next time you need work done. At Deary Brothers Ford Lincoln on the corner of Mormon Truck Boulevard and Highway 1 Iowa City, DearyFord.com, here for you. Rise and dine at the Ox Yoke Inn. Hi, this is Abby and I'll be serving breakfast your way, family style. Pass the bowls and platters around or order off the menu. There's so many choices. Eat hearty or light, the choice is yours. Serving breakfast Saturday and Sunday, 8 until 10 a.m. Take the easy drive just 20 minutes from Cedar Rapids and Coralville. Go to oxyokin.com or just stop in to see me at the Oxyokin in the heart of Amana. From the Hurtine and Stalker Studios in the heart of the Hawkeye Nation, this is the mighty 1630 KCJJ Iowa City. Hurtine and Stalker Jewelers, making memories, making Mostly sunny today. We're headed to 88 for a high this afternoon with wind out of the northwest at around 5 to 15 tonight. Mostly clear this evening. Slight chance of an isolated thunderstorm late tonight. Our low 67. Tomorrow, sunny, warmer, and a lot more humid. We'll get to 92 for a high. Wednesday, scattered thunderstorms 91 by Thursday sunshine with a high of 86. I'm meteorologist Sean Cable on the mighty 1630 KCJJ. Right now, it is 76. KCJJ Weather, brought to you by Plum Supply. Plum Supply, kitchens and baths. Your home never looks so beautiful. MikeFanatics.com, it's back. Better and better than ever. Than ever? Not, oh, as, gonna, not oh. as hot as we want. I mean, a week ago it was going to be 103. Yeah, on they've it's lowered 10 degrees it. cooler. I, mean, I, can deal, I mean, and back, I, we're back yeah. 86 by Thursday? Uh, 86 Thursday. That's yeah, no, that's, that's, that's normal. normal for this time yeah. of year. I yeah. live with, but, but, I mean, it was hotter than Satan's you-know-what last week. What? Satan's balls. Oh. Can we say that? Satan's b-hole after eating Mexican? Can no, we say that? The, the, the term is his balls, not his b-hole. Jeez. Why am I worried about saying things when you guys say worse things than me? How, why do I say worse things than you? <laughs> oh, Tom, help oh, me. Oh, well, we've heard. I've heard you cuss. S-word, F-word. G-D. I have not used the F-word. Heard you be mean, intimidating, I have rarely used the S-word. I've heard it, though. Heard a lot of GDs when you're when you're crossing Truth. the boundary. So true. But no, we lucked out a little bit weatherwise. It, yeah. it did for a while sound like this week was going to no, be unbearable. Yeah, it's yeah, it's tender. I mean, it's still 91. Well, I'll take it over 103, won't you? Oh, for sure. How much rain did we get yesterday? Uh, so it did rain today. I, I guess I thought I heard it this yeah, morning. Four tenths. Well, four tenths. Not bad. Good. When did it rain? What time? We had severe weather. Uh, Tommy was on the air. Well, I was last sleeping. Night. Yeah, yeah. What time was the severe one weather? One o'clock. Oh yeah, I, I was say out. one or two. Yeah, I must have slept pretty good because I thought I remember hearing a little bit of rain and I saw lightning through the blinds. Yeah, so it when was, was it raining? When I came here, out to the south, uh, between like one and. Okay. Well, we one needed it because I yeah. when I went outside, it's like my grass and everything looked healthier than it did a day before. I mean, now I won't have to water because it's been pretty dry. I it, mean, it's it been, been real dry. Really dry. We needed that. And luckily it didn't, it wasn't anything 
So there was no damage or anything? No. Okay. Not that, not that I saw. Man, those no. poor people down in Kentucky. I, 30 people. 30 now it's 30? Yeah. Think about how many pets probably Well, perished. you said there's hundreds of people that haven't been heard from. Haven't been heard from. Think mm-hmm. about how many pets probably perished. I mean, it's just yeah, it's mind-boggling. And the animals, yeah. yeah. Mind-boggling what, what's happened down there. And they have more rain coming tomorrow, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they've got rain going now. Man, just kind of helps. I mean, it's, this is just, it's, you know, it's freaking unbelievable. It just kind of puts everything is. in perspective. I Here's, mean, uh, let's do uh, the weather as Evan was just talking about. Let's get over to CNN. Meteorologist Jennifer Gray, she's been tracking all of this for us. Jennifer, what are you seeing? Well, Kate, the problem is the ground is so saturated. Any heavy, heavy downpour that falls in one of those vulnerable areas, we could see a flooding situation unfold before our eyes. So flood watches in effect. Most of that rain, as Evan mentioned, has moved out. But could occur. Any of those could have heavy downpours within them. And then look at this. This is tomorrow morning, 4 a.m., another very heavy line of showers and storms. And then again tomorrow afternoon. So, Kate, we are looking at rounds of showers and storms throughout the rest of the week, not to mention temperatures in the mid-90s for some of these people without power. Yeah. Jennifer, thank you very much for that. Brutal. Oh, it is. No, I'm sad. It's just Brutal. ridiculous. Yeah. They better pass the, this, uh, this climate thing. Well, look, actually, I mean, looks you, you know what's funny? The one that'll die in the what's, Senate? The what's, one, that it, one? They don't think it will. Yeah, we'll see. They when you say we, they, who's they? CNN? Uh, the, um, the Democrats. Because I've read plenty that they've of them saying die in the Senate. What do they need, 10 votes? No. <coughs> Not for this bill that Manchin's supporting. They yeah. just need cinema to be on board. And, uh, and the vice president. And, and I get it. it. I'm all for climate. But just if they pass this bill doesn't mean floods aren't going to happen. No, oh, we're, not. no. it just means we do something to hopefully alleviate you know, more damage. I mean, how is this bill going to help what's going on in Kentucky? It's well, not, it's but not, it can help it, it not will, happen again, maybe. It, it how? Will, how will, is what I'm asking? Well, I'm not, depends what they I'm do. asking how. I'm not it against will, it. I'm just No, asking. it will alleviate worse damage how it's not it's, going I, I, to, I'm just, how? because it's going to uh clamp down on emissions it's going to uh provide for uh you know more uh wind power uh you know, oh no technology. that's all great but how is that going to stop flooding when you have a hundred a thousand year rainstorm well the question are will there be flood mitigation efforts that's there a will decent be question there will be flood mitigation efforts in the bill i read the bill this week i mean i've read it too and uh, it, no, you've got damage that's done, and that it's just done. It, we, no, and I agree just with that. don't want to make it worse. I just think you sometimes don't want it both to sides are so big to push their stuff, and they make it way more than what it is. You I don't just get sick want of it. it to make it worse. The longer we go with dumping crap in the air and not using other resources, the worse it will get. This. Well, no, I, I, but I'm not going to argue, but I still don't know how that's going to stop flooding when you have this much rain. You can't stop flooding. That's all I'm saying. So yeah. this bill's not going to do anything to stop flooding is what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And yeah, I'm, but it's, I'm not taking a side, but well, we're but so... If, if there are flood mitigation efforts in the bill, it will alleviate future flooding in wherever they so do So give me an example things. of a flood mitigation. Coralville. 
Well, here. Oh, God. Coralville. Just, well, I'm just saying something that would withstand that amount of rain in that short of time. The stuff in Coralville wouldn't withstand what these people have had. The amount of rain they've had. That's all I'm saying. I just sometimes I think the hype, we lose focus that sometimes things are unavoidable. And politicians aren't going to save us. They don't always have the answers. That's okay, flood mitigation was done here on, it was done on Scott. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I think that's great. It I'm alleviated us being flooded every year. But what if we would have gotten the amount of rain that Kentucky's gotten in the last three to five years? Well, you're days? not, you know, that's, yeah, some, it just some things is are unavoidable. something there. They're, yeah, but it will, you're trying to make it so trying, it doesn't yes, get and worse. I agree with that, but I just think sometimes we just think politicians are going to fix everything. Well, it's, it's, and they're not going to. No, it's not going is, to fix everything, not, but it's going to help. But I hope so. It's not. Well, it's not even politics, it's science. It's going to help more than doing nothing. Well, it might be science, but it's politics that's ultimately going to decide how we use that science. That's how it works, well, unfortunately. They're saying use the science. We we have a, an issue here uh, at Iowa State. They want to do a study on climate change. And the, the state is going, uh, you know, saying uh, it's controversial and... Uh, well, yeah, unfortunately, a third of the country, maybe more, 40%, don't believe in climate change. Well, they, they believe yeah. it's a hoax. Yeah, they yeah. should look at the rising uh, you know, rivers. And I'm not sure they all believe that. Hoaxes. I think a lot of them are saying it and thinking they'll die before there's any way to prove them wrong. But there's a lot of people in this country that think it's a hoax, unfortunately. Yeah. I believe in climate change. I think yeah. it's happening. But I just, I don't know. I just, ugh, just, I'm just so tired of politics. I hear you. I'm sick yeah. of it. Well, live with it. I don't want to live with it. Well, I mean, I live with, live it. with it. I have to live with it, but I don't yeah. have to dwell on it like some people do. You have this to is dwell true. The on people it. that climb on social media to start pushing their political stuff, it's just, I just don't get it. Well, and it's not as if they're changing any minds either. They're not. You know? no. We're so dug in on sides. and That's why I post pictures of where I eat now, along with my How'd animals. How'd my pizza look yesterday? Damn good. Yeah. Pizza from I, where? my look. Your pizza looked great, which is why I had my pizza yeah. yesterday. I know you have a, lot a, of, a lot of people post what they eat on Twitter, you know, social media. Frequently. I don't post it on Twitter, just Facebook. But I, for what reason? Because, well, for instance, I ate yesterday at the downtown chop house in Cedar Rapids, and we have uh, auction certificates. Okay, if you're trying to promote something from yeah. it, I get that. Yeah. Well, or else I want to promote the... The business, but, but I we want to know what it's like. I think there's people out there that think that people care about what they eat, and I just, I just want to promote the business. I get that. I get, but you, I don't. I you think, care about what other people eat? Um, no, but sometimes it can tell you something about a place you haven't been. But yeah. I see a lot of people who tweet just to show people, "Hey, look what I'm eating." I, okay, who cares? I ate a big steak, and I posted I ate a steak last. I ate a really good New York strip on the grill. I didn't take a picture of it and show it to people on Twitter. Well, you should. Because I probably would have been made fun of. <laughs> well, yeah. And people would have been mean. <laughs> people aren't quite as mean on Facebook. <laughs> Not quite. I had green bean casserole, New York strip, grilled vegetables, and a, and a biscuit. What do you think of that? I had a steak sandwich. Most of it sounded And the New York strip was really good. It was cooked perfectly. It was a good piece of meat. But it was only seven ounces for $11. Seven ounce steak's not real big. No? It's not a real big steak. That's... It's okay. We generally eat five and seven ounces. I like to go between eight and 12. Eight is more than I can... Eight and 12. 
Oh, I can, I can eat. do eight, but you know, the last time I went to Texas Roadhouse, I usually got the ribeye, and now the ribeye starts at twelve. See, that'd yeah. be fine for so me. I'd, I'd I'd take half of it. And oh, have I a, can eat that yeah. easy. I could easily eat I that, or make a ribeye sandwich the next day. I can't eat it in one. I can't eat it in one. Make a ribeye sandwich the next day. Yeah. Well, I take it home, but I can't eat it in one. One pan sear it, I should say, not pan smear it. Do we have a call? No, no. We did. Did they hang up? No, I think uh, yeah, might have been bidness. Oh, okay. Yeah, might have been a bidness call. Yeah, but no, it was good to hear from Don again. Yes, and um, I agree with almost everything he said. I, I and Don's got to be careful. You, uh, it's obvious that he knows they have major concerns on offense. He's not going to single people out, but I, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to realize that Spencer Peters and Brian Ferentz have a lot of pressure on them this year that they have yes, to deliver. And I sure hope, I sure hope it happens, especially in the case of Spencer. I mean, I would love to see that kid have some individual success to go along with team success for his. Well, the horses up front need he, to need to do better. This Cause they've year. never done that well with him at quarterback. I'm no? not making excuses for him, but I mean, you need to have a good offensive line, especially if you're not a mobile dual threat quarterback and you're running a pro style for offense. Sure. I mean, for sure. There's lots of times where he's just a sitting duck back there, but he's got to be more consistent on his throws. I think he knows that. He's got to be better on his reads. And you got to run the ball to set up your play action, especially since he can't run. Yeah. I know he's working on his mobility, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of quarterback draws called for spending. He is what he is. No, we're not going to mistake him for Brad Banks anytime he, he soon. He needs time in the pocket to throw. He needs guys getting separation, and he needs a running game. And I'm just not convinced all that's going to happen on a consistent basis against good teams this year. Well, and it's going to – we've got a tough schedule, and there's uh, there's – Solid six games that we could lose. Well, I'm going between nine and three and eight and four. I'm getting ready. I'm going to do. I'm going to do my game by game picks where I pick a score and then write some stupid snide remark about what's going to happen in the game. I'm doing that this week, and I'm. It's. I could see. I mean, like I said, the Minnesota game up there really scares me. I I would say definitely, and Nebraska. We've that one. We're living me. on borrowed time with them. Even here, I've had. Well, it's here. It's not. Well. Iowa was lucky to beat them here two years and ago. And we the two last two times here. Don't today. play Wisconsin well. No, I've just uh, I pretty much have Wisconsin and Ohio State as losses. Michigan, I'm going back and forth as that third loss. And then if I'm going to go eight and four, it's going to probably be either Minnesota, Purdue, or, or Nebraska. Both. Or, well, you go both with that, then all of a sudden I'm I'm not willing to go seven and five with this team. I think that's too disrespectful at this stage. But would I be stunned if they went seven and five and lost to? Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Purdue, and Minnesota? No. Not at all. Or and you didn't even mention Nebraska. Didn't mention Nebraska. I mean, would you be stunned if they went 6-6 six and six and lost all those games I mentioned and Nebraska? With some key injuries, 6-6 six six is, is very possible. It could happen. And when I say key injuries, I'm talking... Offensive line? Offensive line, yes, of course. But I'm talking Keegan Johnson would be a key injury. Sam Laporta would be a huge... Mm -hmm. Injury, of course, Jack Campbell. Um, Torrey Taylor would be a huge injury if he got hurt. Huge. I mean, he would be huge because he shifts field position and what have you. So it's going to be an interesting season. I don't want to sound all gloom and doom, but. And if Spencer gets injured, that's not. I mean, if he wins, the, assuming he wins the job. Which I'm assuming. We've already seen. Um, I think it's Alex his job. has got a little. I think it's his job to lose. Alex can run a little bit, but he's not a dual threat. No, he's not. And at least what we saw last year, no, he's but not. But he can buy some more time in the pocket than Spencer can. I think he's a little better at throwing on the run than Spencer. Spencer needs a pocket. 
he needs time to survey the field and to take advantage of that arm strength. And the best, the only way to do that though is to have a reliable offensive line and a running the, game. That's right. That's how you do well, that. Well, and that's that's what's going to key this offense this year because Spencer's not going to be better if the line's not no. better. And if you think back, don't get me wrong. I think Chuck Long is the greatest Iowa quarterback ever. We've had him on here many times. But if you look back to old tapes of Chuck, Chuck had a lot of time to throw. Yeah, he did. He also had great play action because he could always hand the ball off to Ronnie Harmon, Owen Gill, Norm Granger, Eddie. I mean, just tons of different backs. Even Eddie Phillips' last year. I mean, there were so many good backs, and that makes a big difference. So we'll see. But it's funny because sometimes I'll, I'll say stuff like this, and um, I'll have fans be like, some fans be like, I can't you believe you're so negative. I'm negative thinking that I still could have them win nine games. And I, I don't think that's being negative. I think it's being more because it's like sometimes they want to be put in a class with like Ohio State or whatever. But then if you talk about them having to, well, we can't win at Ohio State. You can't have it both ways is what I'm saying. To me, they're a 9-3, and 8-14 because they're not at Ohio State's level. Right. And I do think they have a chance to beat Michigan here. I'm not, some people have told me, oh, that, that's a for sure. It would be see, a big turnaround, but it can happen. But I just think the circumstances are going to be completely different yeah. than what happened in that Big Ten championship game. I don't think Michigan will play as well. Uh, hopefully Iowa will play better at home. And that Michigan team's lost. I mean, Hutchinson's gone. The, the all-Big Ten running back is gone. They lost some key players off that team, too. So I will be surprised if the Michigan game is lopsided. And I would not be surprised if Iowa won. And certainly wouldn't be surprised if Michigan won. But I'm not ready to just throw that. I'm actually as worried about at Minnesota as I am about at home against Michigan. I really am. Mm, I don't know if I'll go quite that far. But, yeah, the, both games are very concerning to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I saw one of the uh, betting services had Iowa at 6.9 wins as their... Uh, so, basically seven. That's... Basically. And they're probably citing the games that... I'm sure, sure most betting services are counting Ohio State and Michigan as sure losses. Oh, yes. And probably Wisconsin. And probably Wisconsin. So, there's three right there. Then you're negotiating between Minnesota, Purdue, and... Nebraska, or I guess some may say Northwestern, too. Well, we'll see. I don't know what Illinois to Illinois is liable to be better. Yeah, I mean, I mean, God, before the show's over, we may have them 2-10. and 10. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. You so know if I, we lose one of the first four, do you think that would indicate problems with the team? Not or? necessarily, because the moment you do that with a Kirk Parents team, you end up getting burnt. Yeah. You end up getting burnt. And now, if, let's, let's say you go, they go 3-1. and one. Which, Who would you prefer the loss to be? Nevada? Um, yeah. That's probably would be the best one because you don't want to yeah. lose to Iowa State. No. And you don't want to lose a conference game. And you don't want to lose, lose to an, to an FCS, FCS team. So Nevada would be the... Sure. Okay. And because of Alford, your ties to Alford? Uh, that would not be a plus either, would it? <laughs> you think Alford would somehow try to exploit oh, that? Oh, he would gloat. <laughs> exploit that <laughs> victory to his own advantage? If they lose to Nevada, you know what I'm going to blame it on? Global warming, <laughs> climate climate change. That's what I'm going to war- blame it on. But no, I think they're going to be four and zero. I don't know what to make of Rutgers though yet. Greg Schiano is a good coach. They've recruited better. They yeah. were showing signs last year, but they weren't great last year by any means. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. But uh, you know, we struggled against them the last time. What we year was there. that? 2014. Um, or was it more sooner than that? I think a little sooner than that. But maybe. that wasn't a great Iowa team, as it turned out. Was no, it, it wasn't. No. Sometimes games like that are harbingers of right. the season to come. They really are. Well, like I said, the North Dakota State game, I'm pretty sure that Iowa team ended up going 8-5. and five. 
eight and five, you could do a lot worse than that. But eight and five would not sit well with the current, with the fan base right now. An eight, an eight and five season would not go over well at all right but now. Probably not. I mean, especially after a ten win season, that's certainly not a plus. But yeah, I mean, Kirk's to the point now where he's deep enough in this run and had enough success to where if he loses fewer than nine games now, it's gonna piss some people off fair or not but but anytime you replace on your schedule Rutgers and Maryland with Michigan and Ohio State that's a huge change I understand that but it's Hawkeye football yeah and everyone's quick to say it's we're great I mean I mean I get it but there still is a standard that you try to live up to and I'm saying I agree with that but I don't think a seven and five or eight and four season would go over very well right now Well, perhaps not well I know seven and five yeah no seven Seven and and five five would would be a disaster no but I think under his contract, doesn't he get a bonus? Doesn't he get uh-huh. he gets extra money for winning seven games? Um, yeah. So it's going to be an interesting season because the schedule's tougher, the offense is suspect, the kicking game is suspect, and we'll see. I mean, I think they've been pretty fortunate in some of these recent close games. To things have kind of fallen their way sometimes those things level themselves out well, and special teams have helped us a lot in the last few years and you know who's going to be returning kickoffs and punts is that going to take a deep hit and i don't agree with but this narrative that oh we're fine on spe- whoever takes over for charlie and caleb will just pick up where they we'll left see. you can't assume that no we'll see i would most i would more likely be thinking that it probably won't be as good because those guys were really, really, really good. Definitely. I agree with that completely. So, I mean, but just to say that, oh, LeVar is the messiah, he'll fix everything. LeVar Woods is a very good coach, but, you know, sometimes it still relies on the Jimmys and the Joes, and we'll see. I mean, he, I mean, he's a great coach, but there was a lot more than his influence why Caleb Schudig made, what, 24 of 28 field goals last year? Sometimes you need the players out there with the talent to do it. That con- Special teams is a concern. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, they also, with Caleb Schudig, never hesitated to go for 45, 50-yard field goals. Well, they do that this year. It'll be interesting to see. And we lose some of our back four on defense. Yes, and they granted, do. Granted, we got some good, good ones players coming back, in. But they do miss some good ones. I do think this has a chance to be – one of the best front sevens ever under Kirk, and that's why I'm saying some are eight or nine wins. Yeah, It's not easy to win eight or nine games. I'm not just dismissing the team. But there was some, though, they'll say, if you pick them to win fewer than ten games, you're a hater. You're well, anti-fairness. That's, that's nonsense. But I, I mean, I hear that a lot. Oh, you're just a hater. You've been out to get Kirk. You know, if I pick them to go eight and four, I'll, I'm guaranteed. Oh, just that's what you hope happens. Not, you know, that's just with some people you can't win. But to say that they could go eight and four this year, that's not disrespecting anybody. No. That's more dis- that's more respecting the opponents. I mean to pick ten and two would be What Ohio State I, I don't even know how you do that this year. I don't either. Well, you're either gonna beat Ohio State, Michigan, or Wisconsin to go yeah. ten and two. And everybody else. And then everybody else, yes. But you're gonna have to beat one of those three teams to go. Ten and two, and of, of those three, who do you give Iowa the best chance of beating? Wisconsin. See, I I go. Well, they're both here though. Yeah, that makes a difference. I I would probably go Wisconsin a little bit, but I'm not. But sure. only a little bit. I'm not sure Michigan's going to be as good as they were last year. We'll see. Let's wait. Maybe they will be. Maybe they will be. But I just I, I need to wait and see. I I just think they lost some key leaders and 
having Hutchinson off the edge like they did, he was a tear. Yes, he was. And they had good linebackers that are gone. Well, so. and Purdue loses Karloftis because well, he made our life that, miserable. And they also lose David Bill. David Bill. They also lost Malcolm, Malcolm Wright. They also lost the guy Anthrop, Taylor yeah. Anthrop, who killed Iowa. Those guys are all gone. And no disrespect to Charlie Jones or Tyrone Tracy, but they're not David Bill and no. Milvin Wright or whatever. It's Milvin Wright, I think his name is. They're, I, those I guys are at a right. different level. So we'll see. But football's coming. I'm it, looking forward to it. It's not well. It's coming. We're still a month away. It's still <laughs> it's still 34 days away or whatever. I mean, today's August 1st. Yeah. And then September 3rd. So I've seen. You're gonna love that. I've seen two prediction bowl predictions for Iowa so far. One. I saw is, Music City. Music City That's is Athlons. one against Arkansas. That's Athlons. And the other one I saw was the Duke's Mayo Bowl, wherever the hell that is. What whatever the hell that is. The Duke's Mayo Bowl. I Look don't it up, know Captain. It, like mayo? What it is. Like mayonnaise? Yes, mayonnaise. Duke's uh, mayonnaise. That yes. means when I go to eat their food, if I tell them no mayo, will they get mad? Yes. Because yes. I hate mayo. They'll yes. make you well, eat too it. Too bad. You're going to eat it. I will not eat it. And, and I will you're going to like it. it. And I will write one of my columns leading into that game why I hate mayonnaise. Duke's Mayo. Is it played at Durham, North Carolina? I don't know. It elevates any dish. Ugh. So where uh, is the game played? I'm looking. I'm looking. The, the only mayo I every once in a while on a BLT, I could put like a little nice worth of mayo on it just to give it a little bit of food. I put butter on it. I usually prefer butter, but I can deal. I can have because neither one. Let's face it, neither one are good for you. But I, but no. I would prefer butter. Yeah, me too. Melted butter, of course. All right, what'd you have for dinner? Ah, Jesus, this thing. We could ask you 1,800 questions. Where is... So Duke, like Jeez. D-U-K? Yeah, yeah, it's a brand of mayonnaise. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've only heard of Hellman's. Uh, Bank of America Stadium. Which Where's is that? where? There's, aren't there a few <laughs> Bank of America Stadiums? In North Carolina, Charlotte, oh, North okay. Carolina. So, okay. North yeah. Carolina. Yeah. So either Tennessee or North Carolina. I'd rather do the Music City Bowl. Oh, I would drive to that bad boy. Yeah. Um, Athlon has Iowa eight and four. I would five go and to four Music in City Bowl. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Athlon has Iowa going five and four in conference play. They have Purdue going six and three, but also finishing eight and four. But they have Purdue as the second team. And I'm almost more worried about Minnesota than Purdue. I think there's plenty to be worried about both of them. I mean, if Ibrahim can stay healthy, I would expect him to average 125 rushing yards a game. Yeah. He's that good. Now, they do have to break in new linemen, but they've seen – I remember a few years back when everybody was saying, well, they got all these new – and those new linemen became these past linemen. They have done a pretty good job of re- – he's recruited good, pretty good on the offensive line. Tanner Morgan kind of struggled a little bit last he year. He did. But he was really good the year before. Yes, he was. I think he's a six-year senior. Yep. And they got Chris Ottman Bills back. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see. And it's there. That's the other reason. That's one of the. And we're at Purdue, which worries me. At Ohio State. Are you going to the Minnesota game? We've talked about it. It's it's in November, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be brutal. Yeah, we we've been up to the new stadium a couple times. I I'm, have. Not, I'm not sure. I've been up there. I think three times. I know Tyler Stay went. Stay with there. Max. Does he live in Minneapolis? Yes. Yeah, stay with Mace and, yeah. and argue with him. <laughs> Just argue. Just argue the whole time you're with him. We've talked about uh, driving over to Illinois. Rip his music. We've thought about that. Now, that's a one. Would you spend the night? Or? Um, Probably. 
Just yeah, probably. Would you spend? Well, you probably wouldn't get a hotel in Champagne. Oh, maybe you would. They don't draw that. I wonder if all the hotels are sold out in Champagne. I doubt it. No, I doubt it. They don't draw that. No, with an Iowa game, there's going to be a better crowd, and I think there is more interest now since Brett did win five games last year. That's but see, that's a one day trip for. We don't spend the night in Champagne anymore. What is that? Maybe five hours? Oh God, no! Not even. It's um, four, three and a half. Three and a half. So it's like driving to Madison. To four. Three and a half to four. Yeah. Uh, it's a, It's not as, it's longer than Madison. Madison's, Madison's 197 miles. I mean, I've done Madison in less than three hours. I've done Madison in two hours and 45 minutes. I've never done Champagne that quickly. Champagne's three and a half to four hours. I yeah, mean, it's, it's when Shane was living around there. So it's kind of like driving four. to Chicago? A little bit, basically. yeah. A little bit, but no traffic other than... Yeah. The biggest thing you got it with 74 is just always nonstop road construction. Well, that's for sure. Our drive to the Big Ten thing last week, it was nonstop. I mean, from by the time we got right around the Quad Cities to past Champaign, it was just, there was construction everywhere. I've done 74, though. I mean, you've got Quad Cities, then you got Galesburg, then you got Bloomington, then you got Peoria, then you got Bloomington, then you got Champaign, then you got Danville, then you're in Indiana. Yeah. That's at four Beef House. Have you ever been to the Beef House, I Captain? Haven't, I no. haven't. You never have either. No, no. I'm not sure. What, I mean, you got, you'd walk out. Yeah, you'd say that was okay. I mean, it's a good steak place. I mean, but as somebody, I mean, you've been to St. Elmo's. It's not like yeah. I don't think it would be St. Elmo was awesome. I don't, but it should be for what they're asking. You yes, to pay. yeah. But I don't think you would consider Beef House a religious. I don't think you'd be leaving there crying and stuff because you enjoyed it so much. Would you? So you can make a pretty good steak on your own grill. I made a really good one That's last night. For sure, made a really good one last night. I've also made some bad ones. I've either there's times where I've overcooked, but last night I pu- pulled it off the grill just in time, and it was a good piece of New York strip. Yum. But no, the beef. My guess is you'll hit the beef houses. The problem is like if you go to Champagne, you're not going to go to the beef house because it's 50 miles east of Champagne, uh-huh. and you're not going to the time. And I doubt. I, do you drive much to Indiana or Purdue for football games? Drove no. It took a bus to the Purdue one time. So you've never. That's just something you just don't. Drove to Indiana one time. Now, if you, I could see you the next time if you were to do one of those road trips, you and Anna or some friends. I could see you stopping at the Beef House if it worked out time wise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's right there. It's right off Exit Four, and you do get a lot of food. I mean, and they when they give you the price, it includes a potato. Everything's not like it's St. Elmo's. Isn't pretty much everything a la carte. Yeah. How much were the potatoes? I can't remember. Weren't they like um, nine ninety nine? I don't think it was quite that much. That's what I remember, though. About no, the, it was expensive. The, I think but, it was Sullivan Steakhouse I went to, and the steak itself was like forty, forty five, but everything was a la carte, yeah. like six ninety nine for a salad, six ninety nine for a baked potato. It was the same with um, Dickie Brennan's down in New Orleans. Next thing you know, that forty two dollar steak is turned into a sixty dollar meal. Oh, for sure. I've never been. And, to the, and then if you have alcohol, then. So what's the best steakhouse you've been to? Um, I thought my best steak probably was at, at Dickie Brenton's in okay. New Orleans. I've been to Charlie's. You've been to Charlie's in Tampa? Don't think so. They have good steak. I've been to, I don't think I've ever been to St. Elmo's in Indianapolis. I don't recall a Sullivan Steakhouse in Chicago. You've heard of that? I've heard of it, that but I haven't really eaten good. there. It was really good. But to me, if you get to a certain level, they all kind of... Don't they all sort of taste alike? They're all so good. There's, to me, there's really not a big difference. And there's a real famous one down in Tampa, one of the supposedly one of the best. Shula's. No, it wasn't that. Not Charlie's? Uh-uh. Because Charlie's was the one. It's kind of 
labeled as a dinner experience. I mean, they've got, you know, 8 billion desserts and 800 million bottles of wine. Charlie's is the one where Morehouse ordered the $209 I can't remember the name appetizer. Of the... Hello? Hey. Hello. Oh, hey. It's Burns Steakhouse. Burns. In Tampa. Okay. I've never heard of it. Oh, what's it? That and, was... Oh, it's huge yeah. meal and you go upstairs for dessert and it's you can hardly wiggle and um you're exercising the one in indianapolis there was some stuff included it wasn't the salad or the potato but when you ordered your meal you got uh, the special soup and you got bread yeah That's and good then idea. you ordered some of the other stuff so it wasn't completely a la carte there and were a few things do you remember what the potato it. cost i don't think the potato was no it, it was it, not free do you remember what it and, cost you know, it's less than a year ago, so I should remember, but I don't. But no, it's good food, but it's oh, at sure. that price. Do you imagine serving like Sonic food for that prices? <laughs> I think that'd be a bad idea. Yeah, I do. I agree with you. Ann. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, baby. Sonic, Saint Elmo. You can't even believe they charge what they charge for that crap. I can't believe how much they spend in advertising. Hello. <laughs> Jesus. So it's a little too creepy for a bell. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's meant as a compliment. (laughs) I'm trying to get you the menu up here for you. Uh, Hello. Hey, dude. Hey. Hello. Hey. All right, I'm going to explain to you one of my favorite steakhouses, and you're going to think it's really great or really terrible. Okay. There's there's a place called Quincy's, and it's in six different mountain towns in Colorado. On the menu, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's four different sizes of filet mignon, and that's it. And Friday and Saturday, there's four different sizes of prime rib. There's nothing else on the menu. You get a baked potato, you get a salad, there's one dressing, and it's fantastic. Oh, I bet it is. I mean, beef tenderloin and prime rib are two pretty good things to have if you're going to be exclusive. Yeah, I love both. What if you want pie? They do have a few varied desserts. What kind of salad dressing is it? It's a house dressing that I would say is closer to ranch than Thousand Island, but a little bit of ketchup in there. You. Yeah, I'm not going. <laughs> Interesting concept. One of the price. Me. So you get and you get not everything's a la carte. No, everything's included. You what? pick your weight and you pick your doneness, and that's it. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's cool. No, that's no. I I, I yeah. definitely give. What price rise? What can you eat there for fifty, sixty? Ahead. Uh, fifteen to twenty-two. Wow. It's amazing. 15 to 22? Wow. Even for a beef tenderloin? Yeah. No, the, the smallest filet mignon is 15 bucks, and the biggest one, I think, is 23 Wow. How many years? Was this, what, 20 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> this is where my, my son fell in love with filet mignon last year, and we went for Fourth of July this year as well. Wow. 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 Where is this? In Colorado. This, so so we go in Salida. That's also in Leadville, Buena, Buena Vista, Gunnison. It's a, it's a no-frills restaurant called Quincy's. Interesting. And what kind of potatoes? Baked potato. Okay. Named after and the after medical meat. examiner. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. 
<laughs> After years of working at Red Lobster, I can tell you these are very high-quality baked potatoes. Okay. All right. Well, good enough. Thanks for no, the thanks. tip. Yeah, no. Next time I'm in Colorado, I will check that out. <laughs> Later. Thanks. Okay, so at St. Elmo, uh, the loaded baked potato is $9. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Would you like to spend a $9 for a baked potato, Captain? I, that's what I did. It was good, I'm, too. I'm sure. I, it better. Can you imagine if it wasn't? <laughs> That would piss you off. You would have had soup and change at Panera for $9. Yeah. What's the salad? Um, Don't they have like a dinner salad that comes with Well, that doesn't come doesn't with it. Come but, with, but it's uh, still like a, it's not like a huge meal in itself. Like a side dish. See. Salads, okay. House wedge, 13. Caesar, 13. But those are meals in themselves, or are they just no. to go with a meal? No, wow. that's your side. $13. Chopped BLT, 13. Spinach, 13. Sliced tomato and onion, 13. I'll say, oh, Captain, baked potato and salad's an additional $22. What do you think of that? Well, what is Joseph's here? Probably comparable, uh, isn't it? A little less. It's, it's a little less. Than I've that. had some great steaks. At oh, Joseph's. yeah. Oh, I've yeah. Some, but I, I you should. You know, if you go to a absolute top drawer steakhouse, that's good. what it's, it's going to be yeah. delicious. And expensive. And it's going to be expensive. Yes, even more so now, probably. Yeah. I mean, you, there's just no getting around it. And yes, your, you know, uh, Longhorn is, is good, real good. It's just a notch below. But it's, yeah, it's not the same. How about Golden Corral? The Tuesday special. A couple six ninety nine. Ponderosa. I used to go to Ponderosa as a kid. Yeah. And Steak Baron. Steak yeah. Baron was the best. I we, we went to owned Mis- by Greeks. We went to Mister Steak. Well, Steak Baron was owned by these Greek guys, and they they had the best Texas toast. This big, huge Yum. Texas, Texas toast. toast. It was pretty good. But yeah, we used to do. Didn't Ponderosa? You'd get like a school tray and go down the ra- go down the little like. A, remember Bishops? Did you ever eat at Bishops? Yeah. Bishops, you'd fill your tray up as you're going like you're in a school lunch line almost. Yeah. That's how I used okay. to love that. I take this all back. Okay. St. Elmo, if you get a steak dinner, it includes navy bean soup or tomato juice. That's what Ann said. Yeah. But it also, and choice of baked potato. Okay. Fresh cut fries, red skin mashed potato. So the or salad is the extra. The yeah. Sa- okay. That, that's yeah. not bad. But and navy. we got a, I believe we split a salad. You only get a navy bean Bean soup is to choose from? That was good, too. I don't like bean soup. It was real good. I'd rather have vegetables. It just or had chicken. a bird light on my, uh, on my ring. At <laughs> your front door? <laughs> yeah, just look at his face looking at it. <laughs> what now? What? So are you glad you I had that to... thing put in or not? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Would you have a security camera put in? Yeah, and uh, and it's, it's one of those. What's it called? A ring. It's called a ring. Are people and trying to break in your house? No, I just you know we didn't have a doorbell that was working, and uh, then uh, Andy, my friend Andy, suggested we get one of these things, and it looks at the neighborhood and it looks at, but it's going off all the time, and I've got the sensitivity. As low as I, as it can go, and it's still going so off. So when it goes off, time. what does it do? You hear that little chime. Oh God, that would drive me nuts. And and when I looked at it, and there's like a, a, a bird looking at it. <laughs> hey, breaking news! Jack Campbell and Riley Moss are both on the watch list for the Benaric Award. Breaking news! There you go. Yeah. Another watch list. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking at. Okay, dude sent me over the uh, menu for the Quincy's Steakhouse in okay. Colorado. 
Six uh, Sunday through Thursday, six ounce fillet, thirteen ninety five. Wow, that's not bad. Nine at Nine ounce fillet, sixteen ninety five. That'd be the one I'd get. That's not that bad. That's a bad at all. Twelve ounce, eighteen ninety five, and fifteen ounce, twenty one ninety five. They're God. basically selling um, beef tenderloin for a little more than a dollar an ounce. That's unheard. Dinners of. include baked potato. Wedge salad with specialty house dressing and soft, sweet bakery bread. What a fantastic deal. Yeah. Wow. Let's go there. Let's do our next show there. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> the beers could be Rose Bowl priced at True. $13 each. True. <laughs> yeah. A diet. A diet. But aren't you assuming, though, the meat's pretty good? Yeah. Don't you assume the meat's pretty good? I mean, oh, yeah. there is no really such bad so. thing as bad filet mignon, is you, there? You wouldn't think so. I got the steak sandwich yesterday at from Chop, where? downtown Chop House in Cedar Rapids. Oh, I bet and, it was good. Uh, I think it, well, it was 15 bucks, and the steak was real For tender. a delicious steak but, sandwich? That's yeah. not bad at all. That's not you, bad at all. I mean, they had steak up to, uh, I think, $38. Did it include a, any sides or anything? Yeah. yeah. yeah I got a 14-inch. Really inch, was good. I got a 14-inch. Thin crust with two ingredients and six chicken wings the other day, and with a tip, it cost thirty six. Should I tell you? Yikes! You want to guess where that came from? Could it be from a half block from my house? No. Ah, uh, a gentleman's first name. Yes. Okay. Well, I went to Panera, and my gripe with Panera—not Panera, Polyice—and my gripe with it was always it just didn't have enough toppings for me to say it was the best uh-huh. like people rave about it uh-huh. well i went there this weekend because i hadn't been there in two and a half years i haven't been there for a while and they changed and it was great and they had tons of toppings. but it still tasted cheese. this it has the same signature it's the same taste, taste but, but a ton of toppings yeah, it had a lot more toppings. yeah and oh, i've never had a problem with palliage I just, I mean, I used to eat there I all just, the time when I drove by it on the way home from work. Now I just don't. Well, Ann and I used to be good. able to go there, and large pizza would be gone easily. And yesterday we both took home a, a piece. Yeah. Well, that's, so do we. Yeah. We we ate, we had a, uh, I think twelve inch or something. We took home. Well, my the fourteen slices. inch. I had seven squares left the next day. Yeah. That was about. So I ate half of it. I got three meals out of it. Uh, but uh, that's not. Yeah. No, get three the, meals. I think the wings, the six wings for like eleven bucks. To me, that's a little high. It is. Uh, Seems a little high. I just. I. I'm not saying it's high based. I mean, places are. No, people. Uh, I've seen wings for like thirteen, thirteen bucks. For how many? Ninety-five for six. See, I haven't seen it. As even. long as we're talking food here, I had a. I've had a hankering for a chicken sandwich at KFC. Okay, I had one the other day. Because they have, they put it on their bullet or their billboard sandwich. I got the spicy one. Yeah. I did too, and no price, just sandwich. And yeah. it was okay. Yeah, it was good. It wasn't great, but it was certainly solid. I got mine without the sauce on it. I had them go really light on the sauce. Yeah. And it no, was good. It, no, it, it was, was good. It, it was fine. It I mean, wasn't real spicy. Well, isn't it just like a big chicken breast on a bun? Yeah, but the, it looks like but it. there's there's flavoring on it. It's, yeah, no, it was real good. Yeah, well, I'm not dissing it. I'm just saying. It, but most chicken sandwiches chicken are breast. most chicken <laughs> sandwiches are chicken breast on a bun. I mean, I know, but it's it looks like a full chicken breast. Oh, it's a lot. It, I'm just saying it's huge. I was good sized. Yeah, With French Why fries. Why do you need the bun? <laughs> I well, did. I didn't even have French fries. Because I like to eat it as a sandwich. I don't want to. I don't want to just eat the. 
I like to have something with the the meat. But no, it was it was good. And these pla- I've never seen wings fourteen dollars for six wings. I, I don't know how a place like that. That seems like a lot. That seems me. a lot. Now, like, what's his Where name? In the hell I what's his name? Do. Buffalo Wild Wings had ten wings for thirteen dollars, which seems a little. But pricey, a place but... that's selling wings for over two dollars, there's no way people are going to pay for that. Would you pay six fourteen dollars for six wings? No, that's insane. No. And I like wings. I do, too. I love them. I, I don't get them all that often. But they're easy to make at home, too, which I get, do. Which I do. They're easy. Frank's buffalo sauce. Frank's buffalo sauce. And you can either deep fat fry them or bake them. I mean, yeah. either way is either way's simple. But wings have definitely risen in price. Yes, a lot. They sure have. But if you had to go. Six piece uh, at the Vine uh, is nine seventy nine. Well, that's well, better. That's, yeah, that's a lot better. 12 pieces, 15 that's expensive, but it's better than what you said, 14 Well, th- yeah. that wasn't where I, that isn't, though I like fine wings. But I'll tell you, the dude at Quincy Steakhouse, man, in Colorado, those, those that's you a great You imagine deal. that place here? Oh, my God, you'd never be able to you'd get never, in. Yeah, you'd never get a reservation. We can never get into Texas Roadhouse. Uh-huh. You can never get in there, when, uh, unless you go off hours. We've well, then tried. that's what you have to do. Yeah, because we've tried, and it's always... That place is always and packed. And I've never quite understood why the Olive Garden is always packed. Always packed. Parking lot. I mean, I was, and it's not bad at all. I was all. just going to bring good, that up. It's always packed. Always And packed. it's solid, but yeah, it's not a religious experience. Uh-oh. I don't no, leave there not. crying and on my knees. But it is always packed. It is. Yeah. And then when you travel on the road like Highway 74, you drive by, Cracker Barrels are always packed. And it seems like the more rural you are, the more packed they are. You know, and I... I don't get... Kind of don't get Cracker Barrel's menu, particularly. I, it's, I, I get I, it, I all right. I just don't to the 80-plus crowd? 90-plus yeah, crowd. I just don't want to... Well... It's just I mean, a lot of thick gravy and... Yeah, I just don't... And sauces and yeah. just comfort food that makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it. But, man, people love it. Yeah, they do. Yeah. All right, would you rather eat it, Waffle House or Cracker Barrel? Waffle House. I think I would, too. I've had good I breakfast. So. As long as there's no fist fights and the cooks don't come out and beat up somebody at the That's counter. That's your floor show. That is part that, well, I guess No, Waffle House is good. <laughs> yeah. I think it gets a bad rap. It, it, Just Perkins was supposed to be open. Is it open? Yeah, what's the, I don't think so. I, yeah, because I called the number and it's disconnected. Because I wanted to go. And that's due to the fire, right? This is not well, COVID. Well, Jesus, it's been a year now over Well, I know, year. but the COVID stuff, thats they're way beyond that. No, this is, due this to is that fire. the fire, but it's been over a year. Perkins has good omelets. Yeah, they've got great uh, pancakes. Yeah, they and do. I don't like pancakes usually. but I like them, but it pancakes. just seems like whenever I eat them, they never agree with me. They mm. just sit on your they stomach. Really well, do. they do. They really do. But the do. ones at Perkins are real light. You ever had? The, oh, you don't eat omelets. You've had Perkins omelet, haven't you? Uh huh. I've had omelets good. before. I love omelets. Perkins omelets are good. Uh, Midtown's omelets are Midtown's good. Midtown's omelets are great. Bluebird's yeah. got good omelets. There's scrambles at Midtown. If you take off the egg, Jan puts the egg. I take off the egg, and their scrambles are great. Then it's just hash browns. No, it's no, it's uh, country potatoes with. A bunch a little of little bit of ham and cheese. Yeah, but to me, you gotta without the and eggs, it's toast. Not a scramble. Yeah, yeah. See, I like taking the egg and just using it as a binder. I believe uh, that every chicken should be born. Mm. I'm a, yeah, I'm Republican. I mean, I don't eat chickens. a ton of eggs, but I like I like <laughs> eggs when I eat them. Do you eat a ton of eggs? No, um, 
Maybe not even quite once a week. I probably don't eat them. I eat them maybe once every two months, but man, when I eat them, I like them. Oh, no, I eat it more often than that, yeah. but... I can't remember the last time I had eggs. Because I... I don't go out for breakfast much as much as I used to. We kind of... Once a week, almost, we go out for breakfast somewhere. Or brunch. Or once every two weeks, maybe. Eggs are ungodly. Guy Fieri doesn't like eggs. Yeah. So, uh, eggs well, I like them fine. I, I do, too. I mean... Now they, I don't like poached eggs, and I don't like... I don't uh, like poached eggs. My mom used to make poached eggs. And what? Put them how on did toast. your mom cook them, Steve? Soft boiled. Oh, those are just, just those are gross. The whole ghastly. thing was gross. Those Seventeen years of that. My mom used to make poached eggs, and she'd serve them to us on toast, and they were good. It was like eating an egg sandwich. She just serve it to us in addition. It was ass. Hard. I remember eating a hard boiled egg. I'd cut it in half and then put a bunch of pepper on it, and then I'd be able to maybe eat one of them. A hard boiled. Yeah. Egg. And then after that, I'd be like, "This is gross." No, I don't. Do you like that deviled was, eggs? I had no. to eat an egg like for eggs. breakfast. When I was going through a hard-boiled egg, uh, when I was going through radiation, yeah, I said eat a hard-boiled egg. And did you? Yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah, I wanted to live. We are obviously hung all hungry yeah. here. I really wanted hungry. to live. You wanted to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like Jimmy Stewart at the end of. I want to live again, Clarence. I want to live again. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to ever eat an egg again, Clarence. <laughs> what if it meant being with Donna Reed? Would you? Eat, well, not anymore. I would have. Well, back then, 1946, I would have eaten all the eggs I needed to eat to be with Donna Reed. Oh, Jesus. She was hot. Yeah, okay, but uh, how is she today? She's dead. Okay, what do you. But, but back I'm then. I'm not she eating was, an egg to be with her. Back a then, she was hot. In it's 19, not even a corpse. It's 1946, a I'm saying you would have eaten an egg to be with her. That's when that came out, didn't it? 1946? Like what? It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. yeah. Either 46 yeah, or 49. Yeah, it bombed. Originally it did, yes. Yeah, 46 or 49 it came out. One of those two years, yeah. I think. It came out in the spring. It did bomb. Yeah. And they put it out in the spring. What? That's a Christmas movie. Yeah, I understand that, but they put but it out bad first timing. in the spring. Yeah. That's not a good idea. No. But I had a big crush on her as a kid when I, from watching that movie. She was... Uh... Her and Ra- nice her, looking. Her and Raquel Welch. They were my two favorites growing up. <laughs> Mother Jugs and Speed. You like that movie? Which one was she? Was she Jugs? Yeah, she was. I would guess. (laughs) Yes. Step out on a limb. (laughs) Bill Cosby had to be in heaven filming that movie. You've seen it? Have you seen it? No. You've you've seen it, haven't you? I saw it back in the 70s. (laughs) When it came out? Yeah. It's classic. Yeah. Better, Mother Jugs and Speed or Duel? Duel. That's a tough one. There's a, 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 what's the guy with the burger? God damn. The guy with you the just burger? Cussed. Wall you just burger. Oh. Wall, wall, yeah. Donnie and Mark Wahlberg. Wall- I still I haven't eaten at Wahlberg. Yeah. There's I've a Netflix either. movie that he's in. You probably wouldn't like it because it's a lot of action and stuff. But uh, yeah, it kept us entertained this weekend. Yeah. I've yeah. never eaten at Wahlberg's. I haven't either. Isn't there, is there one here? Yeah, they're in the High V in Coralville. And, oh, that's where they. And, that's uh, the burger you North. get if you eat at High V. You get a Wall Burger. High V North. Yeah. Okay, I was. Okay. But it's not at the East Side. No. And not Waterfront, right? No, but it's at uh, North uh, and in Coralville. Yeah, not the one on First Avenue. I'll have to try it. Yeah, it's not. How bad. about the one on First Avenue in Muscatine? That's where I always go. No, 
not there I yet. Don't think, no. I've always wanted to eat at Wahlburgers in uh, Las Vegas, but it's just never worked out. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Marky Mark. Yeah. Wasn't he Marky Mark? Yes. They, 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 it's like good vibrations or whatever. That, that guy's got a ton of money, too. We looked him up. He's oh, worth like, loaded. I think he said he's like three, four hundred million. And his brother, Donnie, was in a Band of Brothers, and I love that. He's also in Blue Bloods, making yeah, a ton of money in Blue Bloods. That's and also, what was the, what's the uh, one with, uh, you know, the killers that he's the host for? Oh, I, I'm uh, very scary people. Yes, yeah. very scary people. Um, Blue Bloods is he's getting... He's 400 million, Mark That's, Wahlberg. Yeah, um, How about Donnie? I think we looked him up. He's like 20 or 30. Donnie, that's it? I think we looked this up a while ago. Donnie is he was 25. In boy million. bands, too. Was it New Kids? Or? Yeah. I, I, 25 million. That's it. And a lot of that's coming from Blue Bloods. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, think I, I, I doubt that he's only got 25 million because Wahlburgers is, like, big. And Blue but Blood, we don't know what yeah. his stake is. Blue in Bloods that. is in his, like, 13th season. Is it came it? out in 2010. Blue Bloods did. Yeah, it's, it's like... Well, it's, Blue Bloods is beating anything else on... Uh, it must be. On I mean, news. <laughs> but it's been out for... <laughs> well, the the primetime ones are on CBS, I believe. I know, but when they get rid of... Uh, they're getting rid of that on and going to all news on new... Na- but nation. somebody must be watching yeah. Blue Bloods for it to be in its 13th season. I mean, that's... All right, dude says at Quincy's that the beers are only 3 or $4, which is... Very reasonable. I think I'd go there almost every day if I lived up there. I know. And they're, an old-fashioned was $6. Old-fashioned. Yeah, I, season 13. I used to make a lot of those wow. when I bartended old-fashions. Yeah, made some. Yeah. That's, that's the one with bitters, right? Bitters, yep. Yeah. 13th season. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that's right up there with uh, when NCIS is going into its 20th. And Law and Order, that well, NCIS that aren't a ten-year like gap is going into its twenty-second. Isn't NCIS? There's a ton of different ones, aren't there? Like every city. Yeah. Well, there's an NCIS period. New Orleans, and that's Miami, in, LA. That's in uh, no. There's one in LA, and there, New Orleans got canceled, uh, and there's one in Hawaii. Yeah, to me, it sounded like they were kind of saturating yeah, the market I've, a little bit. And oh, and Morse. I got one in Morse. Yeah, I've never watched NCIS. Have you? Oh, probably once. That's oh, great. Those are just yeah. a little bit too formulated. It's just the same. Yeah, it's the same thing. Over yeah, over. you need something that just stretches out. No, I takes, just need something that's yeah. not predictable and the well, same. Well, it's not. You never know. It's like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> like we Gilligan's finished Island. up Bosch Legacy last night. Yeah. About Chris Bosch? Nope. About the vacuum cleaner Bosch? Nope. That I got screwed on? Nope. <laughs> Isn't it Michael Connolly? Isn't he the writer? Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's it's real good. About what? It's a detective. Well, he's actually now he's a private investigator. Oh, okay. We got a Bosch vacuum cleaner. Yeah. What a piece of crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there goes one potential advertiser. <laughs> was, it no. a, was it a potential one? It's almost no. eleven o'clock. I just looked up. No. <laughs> Don seems like a whole a week a week ago, doesn't he? That interview. Well, why don't we call, call it a? I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, practice. I'm not sure exactly which day practice starts. For some reason, it, the third is in my head would be Wednesday, but I'm not going to die on that hill. Practice is starting this week. Our next access to Hawkeye football players and coaches will be media day on August 12th, and then there's also the kids', kids practice day. on. 
kids day practice on Saturday the 13th. And then after that, then it's locked down until the Tuesday before the game. Then we're into the season mode. It's coming. It's, it's right around the corner. It's coming, baby. All right. Uh, anything else? Nope. Uh, thanks from again the to the chat Don- room. Duke's Mayo uh, makes a great barbecue sauce. Okay. Really? Thanks again to Don Patterson yeah. for coming on. Yeah. And that was a preview Always. of what how many years now is this with Don? Do you know? We've been doing uh, this I think for 13th season. Well, uh, it was prior to the pandemic. It was definitely prior to the pandemic. I, oh, this, it was. I think this is probably our sixth or seventh year. I, I think it so. is. Seriously. Yeah. I, know, and I know a lot of people, it was good to hear from him again. and People um, love him. Yeah, no, they really yeah, do. Right, so. So. Yeah. yeah, he comes up with some great insight. Plus, he's been there and done it. He has a unique perspective yeah. because of who he is. So thanks again to Don. And everybody stay cool and have a good, safe Monday. All right, hawkfanatic.com. Ch- check it out. It's free. <laughs>